What's up, campers? Welcome to episode five of the Camthropology Podcast. We are out here camping at a campground called Sibbets Flat in Cleveland National Forest. It's a first come, first serve campground, and we have Whitney Lauritsen. 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 Lauritsen here. Her podcast was actually the first podcast I was ever on called This Might Get Uncomfortable. So if you want to check that out, it's actually still in my link tree, linked on all my socials. I leave them all up there. Excellent. Check that out. But we're going to get into a little probably gear talk and just see where the conversation takes us here on the Camthropology Podcast. Yeah, you can talk over it too because you don't cut it out. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so cool, Roland. Yeah, so you can, everyone's program. You can preload commercials. <gasps> you can preload. Um, Stop it. Uh, ads and stuff. Wow. I, I gear out. I gear out. That's yeah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, so welcome, Thank Whitney. You. Long time coming since the podcast that I was on with you. Yeah. And when was that? Man. Was that this year? It had to have been. Was it late 2022? It might have been late. No, I think it was. It might have been exactly a year ago. Wow, we've come a long way in a year. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we hadn't even met in person then. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've done one camping trip since then. Mm-hmm. So also met through TikTok. Yep. So I usually like to go because all of my guests have been from TikTok so far. <laughs> so maybe how you found me or how we got connected, we'll go over that first because I think that's always really inspiring to see. Because all the coolest camping people I've met through TikTok and people that aren't on social media, and I say this at every podcast, people are like, you say, hey, I'm going camping with this person from TikTok. And they're like, what? Is that, one, is that safe? Two, are you crazy? You know, it's like, so yeah, yeah how, did, how did you, how did we meet? I was trying to think about that. It was probably through your pooping video. I think so. Yeah. Which I think. Went viral. Yeah. I imagine. That was one of my so, first videos, yeah, to go viral. I think because I was really excited to see someone talk about using the bathroom outdoors because yeah. that was something I didn't know a lot about and felt like it was really awkward to talk to other people mm-hmm. about going to the bathroom outdoors. And oh, I just yeah. loved that you were owning it, you were having fun with it. It didn't feel like you were trying to make it something funny or weird you were just talking about it really straightforward yeah and honestly and acknowledging something that everybody has to deal with oh yeah but very few people want to talk about and that's one of the barriers to entry that keep people from camping like realistically mm-hmm. especially i feel like a lot of times too when people first think about camping they think about even the new people that haven't camped or are new to camping automatically go to dispersed camping woods backwoods camping and they forget that you can also go to a campground where there are flush bathrooms you yeah. know like or like first come first serve there's pit toilets here mm-hmm. now they're not necessarily always the cleanest <laughs> yeah. these ones are pretty clean but they always have a smell you can't get away from that and the camp host here shout out to tim he's been here for 20 years keeps this campground immaculate so it's really great but yeah i think a lot of people think like how do i go and a lot of people don't go they'll like hold or like hold it yeah or i have friends too that do camp and some something about being outside like shuts down their digestive Mm -hmm. system to be like hey i don't know if it's like nerves or like maybe a little bit of anxiety or Mm -hmm. the act of doing it (laughs) like where am i gonna go but some people don't even have to go for a while so i was like all right this is something that i definitely game changed it for me because we started camping during covid and that's when I didn't want to touch anybody's germs. So I was like, <laughs> even if there was bathrooms, flush bathrooms, I would use the bucket method. Yeah. So 
Yeah. And, and that's actually how I started thinking about using the bathroom because in 2020, I went on a big road trip that changed everything for me when oh, it came yeah. to the outdoors. I wanted to go visit my family and spend some extended time out there with them. My friend wanted to drive cross country. So we went on a trip in the end of August, early September 2020. And one of the big considerations was how we were going to use the bathroom because at that time we didn't want to use public restrooms. We were trying to avoid them as much as possible. We ended up using some yeah. as we went along because it just Emergency. became more and more <laughs> challenging, especially going number two. Yeah. Like just peeing is you, you can get pretty creative with that. Yeah. As a woman though, I had never had a lot of experience with peeing outdoors in all different places where there might be people. Mm -hmm. So we got uh, one of those pee funnels yeah. so women can stand up and like just unzip their pants. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which actually worked really well for me. For my friend, not so much. Mm -hmm. She really struggled with them because they're kind of hard to use. Yeah, I, I imagine. You have to like <laughs> yeah. probably like get a good seal and yep. force it up against Definitely you. Definitely <laughs> have to get a good seal. And it takes some practice. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty cool and it works mm -hmm. because just like a guy, you could go pretty much anywhere turn your back to someone and pee yeah and you so everybody sees people on dudes on the side of the road just like yep. four wall not some people don't even open their doors to like privacy they're just like out there on the middle of the road <laughs> yeah. and you're like oh my god <laughs> yeah i mean we tried everything now i have so much gear to use the bathroom oh, yeah. i have that pee funnel i got a pair of pants which i brought with me on this trip to yeah, show you yeah. um they used to be called she fly now i think the company is called nara with a g mm -hmm. and uh, oh it's with a g like gnarly it, it's <laughs> like that, it i think something? that's yeah. the name of it now yeah um yeah. they did it for a couple reasons and there was like the name means something else in, oh, okay in another language i did something. notice they rebranded because i follow them too because yeah. i was like that's even a great idea for like you know going number two for dudes yes, out in the forest 100 you know? especially if I don't you're know doing if, a hole yeah i think they also changed the brand to be more gender neutral mm -hmm. in the beginning especially when it was called she fly it was like very targeted towards women yeah, yeah. but now it's like anybody who needs that yeah uh can use it which i think is really cool and i love those pants yeah they look super comfortable they're too. super comfortable they're well made they're just easy whatever you need to do and that that's for me the accessibility side of it oh, yeah. i mean in general i've become really passionate about making things more accessible and inclusive yeah and i think that was another thing i was very drawn to with your work it felt like you were really trying to make it more approachable and easy for people to consider being in the outdoors and removing those barriers yeah so whether it's going to the bathroom or just like feeling confident enough to travel and spend time away from your day-to-day -day life yeah it's amazing how many people struggle to do that because it's so unfamiliar it's uncomfortable yeah yeah literally your whole physical environment you're away from indoors so one's you know safety light you know doing our bodily functions outdoors mm -hmm cleanliness showering yeah. all that stuff is completely new it's really intimidating too especially for campers that are new that you know don't have gear or don't have a method if because you, you don't necessarily need gear right. but it makes it a lot more comfortable and fun yeah, and fun yeah and fun yeah we definitely <laughs> gear out yeah. and i was going to ask you because you have you also have that um that toilet seat yes thing, right? the car loo the car loo which is so great oh my gosh it's i wish i had that in 2020 yeah because, I mean, I could get into so many details about that product and how helpful it's been for me. 
because basically it's designed by a woman and I think she's in the Bay Area. Yeah, really nice person. So small business, female owned. And she noticed that women, not just when it comes to travel and, and recreation out, outdoors, but just day to day life. If you're commuting, for example, like sometimes yeah. it's hard to find access to a bathroom. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. if you're worried about cleanliness. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there are so many times where I'll just be out doing something and I'm like, where do I go use the bathroom? Yeah. And maybe you don't want to use a porta potty because yeah. they can be really gross. Or like, if on a road trip at night, rest stops yep, can get sketchy. Safety. Like, yeah. Yes, yeah. 100%. So um, the owner of Carlu made this this thin car seat, or uh, not car seat, it's a, it's a, toilet for your car seat mm-hmm. so you can sit in your car and it's mostly for peeing yeah, yeah. you could do other in a pinch. business in a pinch <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> uh, i tried that once and that was very challenging because it's so shallow yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah. you know you have to have a whole strategy for that yeah. not great but for peeing it works flawlessly yeah and um i was just like this is such a brilliant tool and, and then what was challenging, I would love to talk about this with you too, is I, I was like, okay, now I have a method for going to the bathroom, but where do I dump it? So, so how do you figure out those rules in the leave no trace world when it comes to human fluids? So I, fluids? I follow quite a few van lifers that have some sort of method like that. Um, and what they do, I think one of them for sure that I've seen, I was like, wow, the first time I saw it was through Navad. He lives in his van and he's traveled through like all the states too. But what he does is, so he has one of the ones where, and they're actually really clean. I always wondered, like, it's like a, I think it kind of has like a little, not a flush, but like a flap. So you do your business, you can do one and two, and then you can pull out this container that's sealed mm. mm-hmm. and they dump them in either a toilet uh-huh. Or yep. in a um, a porta potty yes. because I mean it's still human waste yes. you know it's not going anywhere and they're actually he actually filmed um, his process of doing it and it's actually really clean I mean he has like you know he does gloves he has like um, Clorox wipes and you just unscrew the cap mm-hmm. just pour it in screw the cap back on and then you know he uh, Clorox wipes it and then throws away the gloves. So I think that's what most people do. At first I thought like do you have to use dump stations for right. even you know a little bit. And then, I mean, technically too, so like with the luggable loose system that I use, you could probably put some of that powdered stuff that's in there. That's what I do, yep. And, or line it with a bag first. Yep. And then yep. I asked my local trash hauler, and then I didn't really think about it, but they're like, yeah, totally. It's basically like people throw diapers in the trash. Yep. It's the same thing, you or know. Or dog waste. Yeah, or dog yeah. waste. Yeah, yep. just obviously don't bury it or throw it, you know. I was camping one time, and I saw someone going to a, a pit toilet. Okay. And I'm almost positive they you should never throw trash in pit toilets. And I saw them walking. It was kind of like we are here. There's a pit toilet and there's a trash can. And I was far away. And I saw them come out of their uh, pop-up tent, their poop tent. And I was like, okay, hopefully they're going to. They went into the pit toilet and I'm pretty sure they threw it down there. Oh, no. And I was like, no, the trash can's right there. But they were so yeah. far. Like I was going to be like, oh, my God, they just threw that in the pit toilet. And that is such a pain in the butt to, to <laughs> clean out. Yeah, like literally, yeah, yeah. But That should be the name of this episode, Pain, pain in the, the Butt. Pain in the Butt <laughs> yeah. Camping. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but but at the same time, a lot of people are just ignorant. Yeah, I didn't true. know that much about Leave No Trace. Yeah. I had yeah. to really be intentional, take classes, yeah. look it up. I still don't know the whole Leave No Trace principles off the top of my head. Like, I 
think I know everything, but I'm sure I make mistakes. Oh, me too. I have to constantly you remind know? myself too, because when we're camping, like car camping, it's pretty straightforward, you know. But when you're backpacking, there's also like you're not supposed. Mm. You know, one of the ones is you're not supposed to create a campsite where there's not already a cleared area. Right. You know, those kind of things, not going off trail, mm-hmm. things like that. So, under like. Every time before I go, if I go on a backpacking trip or hiking, I always like reread them because mm-hmm. I feel like I have the car set up pretty dialed. You know, leave everything, put out your fire, take everything. Don't put your coals outside of the fire pit. You know, it kind of goes beyond just trash, making sure that everything, there's no food, scraps, you know, coffee right. grounds. A lot of times people will just toss like that. So that's why we take ours and put them in the trash. But another pro tip along the pooping thing that I started doing <laughs> this year, if you are dispersed camping or you're using the poop bucket method put your coffee grounds in with that poop bag where all your waste is and it literally cuts the smell almost in half because out of all the systems there all is always a little bit of smell Mm -hmm. but if you put the coffee grounds use coffee grounds into that bag way less Wow, way less we should talk about coffee too so we should go from poop to coffee we probably should have gone the other way (laughs) around usually it's the other way around how it naturally happens yeah yeah yeah. but we're both really into coffee gear and today we had three different coffee setups going (laughs) um and that has become a big joy over time i I was sharing before i got here like all the stuff i was bringing to show roland yeah i was like i can't wait to show you this tool and that tool and uh, it you know it's still a little bit cumbersome, especially because the grounds like that. Mm-hmm. I have to figure out more of a flow for um, the used grounds. Yeah, because yeah. like it can be quite messy, mm-hmm. and so every time I make coffee on the go, I, I try to think of like another way to do it. But uh, for me, it was first of all like, okay, are you going to do instant coffee? Which is no, the easiest. Never. <laughs> but I was telling Roland, I yeah. tried this new brand of instant coffee called Beanies that yeah. I'm very impressed with. Yeah. It does make quite a good cup. And they have all these different flavors. Maybe the flavors uh, help mask the instant coffee taste. It could be, yeah. So that probably helps out a lot. And I'd give it a try because I feel like just like with everything outdoors, or just in general, it's probably come a long way mm-hmm. since the last time I tried. I think it was like Folgers instant you know and there's so many craft artisan companies small businesses out there that are perfecting these little niche ways of brew or you know cooking or any outdoor things i'd I'd give it a try it's i mean it's all about your preference true true. and it's it's like that's really fast and easy Mm -hmm. whereas the method that i brought on this camping trip that we're at right now it was like so involved so i brought a canister um that seals with my beans in it and they're whole beans. I brought I this little that. grinder. Airtight. Yep. Yeah, airtight. Yeah. Very passionate about that. Um, <laughs> especially when they're like new, high quality beans, oh, yeah. which is what I brought. They're yeah. not like the cheap stuff. I got like this new heirloom organic coffee. Yeah, it was that good. I to try. It's really good. Yeah. I uh, couldn't I think, sleep last night. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, late exactly. afternoon cup I had. <laughs> it was also like a dark roast, yeah, and we yeah. had it pretty late in the day. Yeah. But uh, I have like a little grinder, a manual grinder. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll bring a electric one and plug it into my jacket. I was going to ask you, is your electric one a burr grinder? No. It's blade. It's just like a cheap $20, okay. maybe $10 coffee grinder, yeah. which works great actually for, I like to do cold brew coffee on a lot of my trips. Have you tried cold brew with the AeroPress? I haven't. It I think is, you were telling me about this. So I've used to do, make my gallon batches of cold brew mm-hmm. just for camping too, or just even in the morning because it's really easy. And what I did was I did the whole method of like, 
burr grinder, large grounds, soak it for 24 hours in, uh, it's like cheesecloth. Mm-hmm. And then I would double strain it because I like when my cold brew is like you can if you put it in a glass and you hold it up to the sun, it's clear. I don't like to mm. see the soot in yep. it, the particulate. Some people like that. <laughs> yeah. I like it a real clean flavor. So then I would I would filter it again. I literally had like six different pour overs with filters in them. And I would just pour in oh. to get all that particulate out. And that is by far probably my favorite cold brew. Really? Up there with Cosmic Bloom that does a really good Invista, does a really good solid cold brew too. But before then, my cold brew was my favorite. Yeah. And when I made it with the AeroPress for the first time, I was like, wow, this is like 95% there. So how do you make cold brew with an AeroPress? It's so crazy. So it's like how simple it is too. So you do the inverted method. You do... Maybe we should break this down for people that don't even know what an AeroPress is. Oh, okay, yeah. How about, how about you explain? Because you have you have the whole AeroPress family of products. <laughs> I, know, I, I could definitely be an ambassador for them. Uh, but I did get them for free through. Uh, yeah, do you have a link? Influencer. I don't. Uh, I don't. No, I'm not like they just an actual to review, affiliate. Right? Yeah. yeah, it was a, a third party uh, company that allows content creators to review products, and and it's not like a a sponsored thing. It's just mm-hmm. you get them to review. And uh, they, when I saw AeroPress on there, I was like, this is amazing because I'm yeah. going to get every AeroPress product out there. So um, they do have a one designed for camping. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't even know what an AeroPress is, it's, it's just this plastic coffee filter system. And it, they, they call it like a combination between a French press and there's two other types. Like you can ma- basically get it very close to an espresso. Uh-huh. But it's more of a French press method where you put in your grounds into this plastic Good container way, yeah. and then you fill it with water, you stir it, and then you press it down. But instead of like a French press, which just has a, a metal um, filter, filter, essentially, that's just pushing the water down and then um, yeah, it separating Yeah, kind of pushes it. the grounds down yes. and then the water comes up in a yep. traditional so French they, press. Yeah. yeah, whereas the water, the coffee stays in the canister with the French press. The totally. AeroPress, you do it on top of a cup or you get a separate canister and you press it down and the water comes out and separates that way. But what's different about the AeroPress is it has pressure through this, this like silicone... Um, Plunger, basically. Plunger, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and when you push it down, the pressure creates like crema that you would get with espresso. Yeah. And you, there's all these different methods about how long you let it brew in there. Mm-hmm. You do the inversion method, which I've never tried. Yeah, so, so how do you do you that? You actually have, what is the, the drip flow? It's called a flow control cap flow by control. AeroPress. Oh, yeah. yeah, so when you flip it traditional method, it doesn't drip, right? Is that what it's... So, and I feel like it, that creates yeah. more pressure too, probably yep. extracting more flavor. Yes. So the so the traditional way of doing AeroPress, you have these paper filters, and when you put your coffee in, depending on how ground it is, so there's different grind sizes. If it's really coarsely ground, the water just like drips through it, and it's almost like a oh, traditional like yeah. what's what's the terminology for uh, a drip coffee? Like I guess. A pour over. Yeah, a yeah, pour over. So you can kind of get that, but if you grind your coffee really fine, it'll filter through really slowly Mm. however you don't get a super rich flavor they designed a special cap that you can put on and it will it will not drip through until you put the plunger down through it which i prefer so it's like a really rich espresso like flavor yeah yeah because yours yours was way more espresso-y than i've done and i've made a lot of aeropress camping yep so this is also 
speaking of, I it's good for home too. But yes, it even is. I use it at home every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, because my espresso machine's not working well. I have like all this coffee here, yeah. and I, and the AeroPress is amazing for home or travel. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and you can like play around with it. There's all these different oh, methods, yeah. like so how hot is your it. water, and like how long do you keep it in there? Like you can really geek out about the AeroPress. Oh yeah, and so you do your 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 coffee like an espresso, and then you add your creamer. Yes, just straight, right? I usually have an actual milk, and sometimes I'll froth it, or if or I'll oh, do like okay. an ice coffee. Because you have the cool frother. Yes, too. so I, I, I have a <laughs> handheld frother that I'll bring with me on trips like this, and then I have that powdered coconut creamer mm-hmm. from KOS or Kos. I don't know how you pronounce it, but um, that's really helpful when uh, you're traveling just to have a powdered creamer if you like oh, that. Yeah. And you can yeah. just put a scoop of it in, right into your coffee and, f- and stir it or froth it up yeah. with the handle. It looks real. I mean, just with the, really with the flow controller thing, that froth yeah. was good by itself. You yep. didn't really, really need the, the froth. Yeah. yeah. But I usually, when I was doing AeroPress, I would, I just started liking like espresso. Not mm-hmm. liking it, but like in, like getting it a lot. I've always like mm-hmm. liked it, but especially like when you're in Europe, that's what everything, yes. everybody drinks. Yep. But I think this with your flow drip is the first time I've done an espresso style with the AeroPress. Mm -hmm. Because usually I do like the Americano style. I'll Mm -hmm. add a little bit of water to mellow it out. But it was really good the way you did it. Yeah, I was so, I'm going to get that for sure. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, it's an accessory you get. They also have uh, reusable filters. Although I learned this, I was watching an AeroPress video. And there, one of the guys that was doing like a whole tutorial on it said that he reuses his paper filters like ten uh, yeah, times. I didn't know the, you could the do founder, that. Right? The old guy. Uh, I think it was like at a. He was like running an outdoor store and he oh, was okay. just doing a tutorial. But oh yeah, I was like, I cannot believe all these years I've used an AeroPress. I just throw away the paper filters. Yeah, all the time. yeah. I I, I saw the video with them. the founder of him. He says he uses his up to like fifteen times. Because they're really high quality. Yeah, you just rinse it and let them dry. And I'm like, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, But they're really inexpensive. I guess just from a waste standpoint, it's Mm -hmm. really nice to know that you can reuse them. But they also have the option for the... um, I can mute you too. (laughs) They also have the option for the... um, the, was it like probably stainless steel reusable filters mm-hmm. that you have too? Yep. Yeah, I have one of those. Those are great too. They work. They work just as yes, well. Yes, I have that as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I got that as part of my uh, my review process. So basically, the company like sent me everything. So yeah. I, and then they make different size arrow. We could we could probably do a whole episode in arrow press. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. but uh, I'll wrap it here. They make the classic size. They make an XL size, mm-hmm. which is double. So yeah. it's great for group camping yeah. trips like yeah. this. And they make a, a mini version for backpacking. Sing, oh, single. Yeah. I've yeah. Which too. is yeah. really cool. Yeah. I have that as well. And I'm like, can't wait to use it. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. didn't need like an excuse. So, yeah. Just go backpacking <laughs> to cool use to, like, my AeroPress. Like, in the morning, like take it to a park, you know? Yeah. You know, if you want like coffee fresh out there, take your jet boil. Yeah. I ended up putting all my coffee gear into one bag so that in the morning I take it out when we're camping or you could take it I mean I don't hate the coffee at work so I literally (laughs) have made coffee took out my camp gear and like in the morning made coffee at work Mm -hmm. and it's like way better oh yeah Yeah, yeah. that's what I like about the cold brew uh, method Usually when I'm car camping, I bring a refrigerator, which we could also talk because you just got an re- electric yeah, refrigerator. Recently, yeah, yeah. Um, that was a game changer when I got mine a couple years ago. I think it was two years ago. Um, yeah, it was in 2021. So the 2020 trip I mentioned earlier like taught me everything I wanted 
for yeah. a trip yeah. because I realized how challenging certain things were. And so I got a refrigerator and then I have a cold brew coffee maker and it's like a plastic container with a filter inside. Mm-hmm. And so you put the grounds inside the filter and it stays in the whole canister oh, and so you pour water over it and let it soak for 24 hours. Mm. And then you can dump out the grinds and just keep your coffee in that canister. I think I've seen that. Is it glass? Uh, they do make a glass version, but that's not great for travel. Yeah, so for I have sure. a plastic yeah. BPA free one and it works so well. It The top is uh, spill proof. So you can yeah. like seal it up and I put that in my car fridge mm-hmm. and fr- I can have cold, cold brew coffee brew on tap like, yeah, on tap yeah. for days that's amazing and that's real that's like the easiest method yeah. that I usually yeah. use because the AeroPress it does involve yeah. a lot of steps you do have to have mm-hmm. the hot water from well, the jet boil so back something. to the beginning of the conversation yeah. the cold brew method with the AeroPress oh yeah yeah okay so you don't need your jet boil because it's just you know cold water I try to mm-hmm. do it like room temperature room temp. so if it's or just outside temp mm-hmm. and then so instead, you do invert it, and then you know how you're supposed to stir it for what, thirty seconds yeah. or something? Stir it for a full minute and a half. Oh, that's what the okay. founder said because he was doing a, a, a cold brew method. Stir it for a minute and a half, and then press it just mm-hmm. like regular. After that, it's so crazy how good it is. Wow, we might have to try that today. Yeah, you would think leave. because there's no heat, <laughs> it wouldn't extract all of the flavor, but. It's like just it's in so a good. minute and a half yeah. you make cold brew. Keep stirring it for a minute. That's why I was so huh. my mind was blown. I was like, wow, this is like I said, ninety to ninety five percent there of like my favorite cold brew wow. from like you know twenty four hour steep in there. That's impressive. And it's yeah, and then I just drink it straight like that. Some you can add a little bit of water, but I just do like a full AeroPress load in it, and then it's like we'll try it today. Okay, maybe, maybe before we pack up and go. Not a maybe. We're definitely doing. Yeah, that. we should yeah. do this on camera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know. Part of this conversation is also a good tip for saving money. Oh, yeah. Because, my first of all, my 2020 trip, I was not in a good financial position at that time. I was like, I had one gig going on to pay my bills. And so I couldn't afford to buy a lot of things. And so I did a bare bones cross-country trip, really minimal yeah, financially. Camp, so that's how you kind of got with me connected through yeah. camping so yeah so tell us about that trip yeah well I, you know the coffee is a good segue because coffee can be so expensive if you're buying it at a coffee shop oh yeah right like yeah. you're paying five or six dollars depending on the type of coffee even starbucks when i super lazy the only thing i like from starbucks is their cold brew admittedly mm-hmm. it is but good. it's still like five bucks for yep. something just for a grande i'm like whoa yep. and cow. if you buy like at the store you can get the pre-made coffee in the refrigerator that's expensive mm-hmm. i mean Yes, you can get dollar coffee still at like gas stations and yeah. various places. McDonald's but I think we, maybe. We've but... talking, been talking about coffee for a long time. We're not drinking dollar no. coffee. Yeah. It's a, I mean, I don't even like regular coffee. I'm very yeah. much a cold brew and espresso drinker. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but, you know, I developed some of these methods because they save money over the long mm, run. Yeah, even totally. in AeroPress, I think it's like $30, 40 yeah, Those they, things last for years. Yeah, yeah. And you get whatever beans. By the way, I just tried... Trader Joe's organic espresso beans are really good. Oh. And it's $10 for like a good size amount of beans. Okay. And wow, coffee bean prices have gone way up over yeah. time. So, yeah. you know, my favorite uh, organic local coffee beans in uh, California, it's like $15 yeah, for easily. 12 ounces. I'm yeah. like, what? Yeah. So, another good money saving tip is mm-hmm. like Trader Joe's, mm-hmm. high quality beans. Um, 
but getting a system where you buy a, a, your beans, whatever you choose, I mean, you can get your really, really amazing coffee for like a dollar. Yeah. That would cost you $8 at some coffee shops once yeah. you add in flavoring mm -hmm. and, and milk and whatever else. So that was part of that journey of figuring out how can I still enjoy myself, but on a budget? Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. And so... My approach was slowly adding gear in and getting less expensive versions of things, like maybe mm -hmm. not a name brand. Jetboil is a great example. I don't have a Jetboil. I have Amazon's or one of one product on Amazon that's yeah, similar yeah. to Jetboil. It's like a knockoff brand. Yeah, yeah. And it works almost <laughs> as well. I mean, I, yeah. I, I get the job done. It yeah. might not be as fancy as the Jetboil, but but it does what it needs Honestly, to do. Honestly, when you were using yours, I. I couldn't even like it looks exactly the same. I yeah. thought it was a jet boil. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. And and so Amazon also I'm a huge fan of Timu. Have you ever used Timu? The website? I have <laughs> put stuff in my cart so many times. Cause they have really cool camping stuff yes, on there for do. like super cheap. I, I just do. haven't part of me is like, all right, if I find a new you know, dealer for my gear, basically, mm -hmm. <laughs> like talking about like their drugs. I'm like, I'm gonna be on there like all the time. Oh yeah. You know? So well, I mean, essentially, my view of Timu right now, yeah, and that might change, um, is that you can get the exact same products on Amazon for a fraction of the cost. They're they're yeah. literally the exact same thing, except. Amazon, Amazon, no, yeah. Amazon's so trusted now. I think people buy the same product that you can get on a place like I think AliExpress, Timu. They will get those products and then mark them way up on Amazon because they can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whereas Timu, you can go find the exact same thing, but for like half, a quarter of the price sometimes. Yeah, especially you know? with so like those lights that everybody loved last night that I haven't, haven't done a review on them yet because I've been <laughs> putting them through the ringer. Like I've used them every trip. So, but I think people are going to really like them and I want to make sure they're solid. Yeah. So, those are like, I think they're $65 on Amazon, which is expensive for a light, but it does a lot. You know, everybody mm -hmm. knows I'm a big lighting person. But a, a name brand just came out with the exact same, literally it looks exactly the same. There might be one or two like aesthetic changes on the design. They're selling it for $200. Because was, they can. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I bet you, I was like, I bet you there's not like a bunch of, wherever it's made, there's not like a bunch of different places that have the same one it's probably sourced from all the same place mm -hmm. they just put their brand on it and yeah. then up like literally more than 100 percent of charge on it yeah and i think it depends like you know aeropress for example like i want to use that brand yeah. like i think they're a great brand but we were talking about jackery before yeah power banks and yeah. there's so many other power banks out there that you can get at a fraction of the price mm -hmm. you don't have to buy the most popular power yeah. bank or whatever <clears throat> chairs too i was sharing with you my yeah. first backpacking camping chair i got some knockoff brand on amazon and it's great yeah it works just as well i oh, mean yeah. i'm sure there are some brands out there that i think are worth <coughs> buying my tent for example yeah. yeah is a big splurge yeah but that's well, we because it's that crafted yeah. like by hand there's ethics yeah. behind it and those are the things i want to save my money for and then my campy journey is expanding over time, so my budget's growing alongside that. Totally, yeah. Um, I also have to give a shout out to my favorite way of saving on camping and outdoor gear is Sierra. Sierra, you, you told me about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, when I discovered Sierra, which is 
They have an online retail and they also have stores. Oh, wow. I don't think I've ever seen a store. Well, their stores are only in certain states, mm. which is such a drag. I wish they had them near our you know, Southern California area. Yeah. But um, I've been to some of the retail stores on my road trips and it's it's like... How do I describe it? I mean, they're owned by TJ Maxx. Yeah. So it's a lot like TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Ross, those type of stores, but it's all for outdoor stuff. So they have camping, fishing, hunting, you know, uh, exercise, like basically all different types of recreation gear. And they have name brands too. Yes. Like, didn't you say you're Codapaxi? Oh, yeah. I'm wearing something I bought from Sierra right now, which is my Codapaxi. I love Codapaxi as a brand. I got this fleece jacket there yeah. for like $40. Yeah. And it, I think it, if you buy it directly from Cotopaxi, it's 100 But just like all the uh, these other stores work, this is like an older design. Yeah. So basically, yeah. if they don't, if a brand like Cotopaxi doesn't sell out of these fleece jackets before they change the design for a new season, they'll yeah. sell it to these stores. And if you don't care what season your clothing or gear is from, yeah, totally. Rumple, which you and I both love, they yeah. sell their products there. Like, really great <laughs> brand. So I, I wish I had known about Sierra years ago because yeah. I could have saved so much money on the bigger brands. Yeah, yeah. That you know, a lot of times I would wait for a Black Friday sale or a big Amazon Prime sale to buy gear. Yeah, yeah. And now I'll go and check Sierra first. Totally. Before yeah. waiting around for a, yeah. a big discount. Yeah, I'm also get it get at the price point you can afford. Yeah. You know, because I feel like too, it's really intimidating for people, that especially new campers, not having all the gear. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm always a big advocate too. Get into the outdoor. The important part is getting out there, at whatever price point you can afford. Yes. And I tell people too, because a lot of times people see all my stuff, and I I have a lot of the expensive gear. Because I camp so often, <laughs> I put nuts. my gear, like literally I was using my, so I don't have a jet boil either. Mine's an MSR wind burner. Oh, cool. And I've literally probably, I've had that thing since like 2014. Mm-hmm. And I even looked at the inside and like the little uh, O-ring in there, the plastic one is looking a little fraily. It's amazing. And I was, it's I was almost kinda, 10 years. I was, yeah, I was kind of having problems lighting it. Like, because usually you could spark it once and it would light. I've probably used that thing thousands of times, you know. So, and that's why buying the the name brand exactly, is worth it. If you yeah. know, I think that was the difference too when I first started doing outdoor travel and, and camping and all that. I didn't know if I if this was going to be like a passing thing, like a, just during COVID, exactly, or yeah. if I would do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. And a few years in was when I finally started buying more of the name brands, more of the. Uh, you know, specifically made, well-designed things because I thought I want to have this for ten years. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to buy something cheap and have to replace it mm-hmm. in a year or two because it broke and yeah, there's yeah. no good warranty on it. You know. Yeah, warranties are another reason yes. why people go with name brands a lot yep. too because a lot of these companies, basically, at least a year, anything happens to it, you can fully replace it. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, another but- thing too is, I tell people, go with if you. That's why I try to put a lot of gear reviews on there, mm-hmm. not necessarily to have people buy them, like to sell, because like I'm not in this to make the money, but a lot of people ask, and that's great, and I appreciate everyone that shops on my storefront stuff, but I always tell people, everything I have, I've probably bought three times, Yeah. because once maybe, like let's say you see us using a jet boil, you like it, you get the jet boil, but let's say it's just, for some reason, it's not in your, like, camp flow you know like there's a mm-hmm. workflow yeah. you don't like it because of x because you have to have the isopro instead yes. of the propane yeah. so you'd rather use a kettle on your stove because then you only have to carry one type of gas 
So if you if you get the cheaper stuff, you're only in you know an X amount of money, like you know thirty bucks as opposed to a hundred bucks. Even though they might work as a product perfectly, one of the things I love about camping is it's so unique to your style. Yes, and it's kind of an extension of like your off-camp life, like what's important to you. <laughs> coffee. What you eat? Coffee. What going you use? Bathroom. Yeah, going to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, and everybody has their own style of doing things. So <clears throat> you might just because it's my style, it may not work for you. So that's what I always tell people. It's like this is for my style, and it works for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm always asking people. People always say, "What's like? What's a great tent?" Or what's the any X Such piece of gear answer. here, and I'm, and I always have to say, okay, okay, so like what? Usually in DMs, I'll ask people, I'll give them a list of questions like, what style of camping do you want to do? Mm-hmm. How comfortable are you setting up tents? You know, are you going to be backpacking? Is this how often do you camp? Because most of the Walmart Ozark stuff will last you ten years yeah. if you're only camping five times a year. True. You know, yep. you'll be completely fine. But if you you're like me. And you're a psychopath. <laughs> I literally tallied up prior. I think by the end of this year, by New Year's Eve, I've camped close to like 45 to 50 times That's this year. So and cool. I like, like I said, I'm not gentle with my gear anymore. I'm throwing shit around like I'm packing it up. So the Ozark stuff would only last so long for right. me, you know. Yep. And but, th- and that, you know, the tent thing I decided this year because I was also able to, you know, I once I, I realized I was getting into travel and camping, I started like a little savings account for myself. Oh, yeah. You're serious about it. <laughs> like, because I wanted to be able to buy things and not hold back, you know, when I was ready. Mm-hmm. And so I just started to think about my finances a little bit differently. And one thing I really wanted to invest in was a good tent because oh. I had an Ozark tent. I bought it a few years ago, an SUV tent, because I do a lot of car camping. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, so we got to get to your trip yeah. on this train of thought. Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, so this, this is one is of the also, stop on those trips. Right. It was, so the 2020 trip, um, the way I did it is I slept in my car and my friend had a tent. And that worked pretty well, because we couldn't easily both sleep in my car. And the tent also wasn't something I wanted to do at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but through that experience, there was like all these moments where things just weren't working out as well as they could have. And so I started to look into other ways to car camp. And and I also, from a safety standpoint, I do most of my trips by myself. Um, not necessarily by choice. It's just like, I really want to go do something and other people like you, I can't yeah. always bring, bring her along with me. So there was a safety consideration and I felt a little bit vulnerable in my car. It's a small sedan. So, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't look like it should be at a campground. And I thought I'm standing oh, out wow. in a way since I don't have a tent. So I decided to get this Ozark SUV tent at the time it was 80 or $90 from Walmart. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people with my car were, were recommending this tent. Yeah. So I got it and I opened it up from the box. I think I got it in 2021 or 2022. I can't remember. But um, I opened it up on the box. I had no idea how big it was. I, I, I didn't know anything they about tents. They packed those things so small. Oh, yeah. It was like, you know, <laughs> I thought, fine. I saw the photos <laughs> online. Had no concept because I'd never yeah. seen it in person. I should have known. It's an... That's such oh, a cool sound. Bee. That bee picking up on the mic. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Got a little bee now. friend. Yeah. Um, it's a five person SUV tent, which if you know tents, you'd oh, be like, person, obviously yeah. this is a big tent, yeah. but I was really ignorant. So I tried to set it up and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this by myself? 
To your point though, Roland, I have used that tent countless times since I bought it. And um, I mean, I probably could count maybe like 20 to 30 times. So I guess not that many. Yeah. But not only has it held up well for an 80 or $90 tent, but uh, I figured out how to set it up by myself. Yeah, you this get giant your own tent. system. Yes. Yeah, especially solo. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's been great. Like I've done all sorts of fun things with it. My uh, family has used it. I've set it up at my parents' backyard and put like a giant air mattress nice. in it. And it, you can like create a whole glamping experience yeah, with it. Yeah. You don't have to use it with your car, even though it's an SUV tent. But la- or this year, actually, a few months ago. In August 2023, I went on one of my big cross-country trips, and I really wanted to go to Voyagers National Park. And at that park, you essentially have to camp on an island. It's a water-based national park. And so I didn't have another tent. I brought my big Ozark tent to this campground and by myself, and it ended up being a really windy day. And I had no way of getting off the island because I hired a water taxi to drop me off and pick me up the next day. Yeah. So I'm kind of like stranded on on this island by myself. (laughs) No car around. And I have this giant tent. And I'm thinking, this will be great. It'll be nice and roomy. I can hang out in there. But I'd never been in a really windy situation. Giant tent, wind, and a cheap tent. Yeah. That's not a time where you want an inexpensive tent. Yes, yes. And essentially, it was a really uncomfortable night because I thought my tent was going to break. Wind is scary. The yeah. wind was really yeah. scary. Yeah. I mean, it, the gusts were upwards of like 30-something miles Whoa. per hour. Wow. The tent walls are caving in on me. The The tent is coming off the ground. I staked it down. No matter what I did, this tent was just having a rough time however it did make it through yeah that's so good. shout out to ozark was it raining there was a little bit of rain okay. but mostly wind mm. and this particular tent just it's not designed for that yeah. however it withstood yeah. the yeah, conditions so I was thinking maybe that one it was not designed for multiple nights no. like that. Yeah, yeah i was yeah. like i never want to do this again yeah and because of that trip i became determined to get a really high quality tent I went to my friends that um, have lived and traveled all over the world in tents, gone all these crazy camping experiences, and they recommended this tent that they used in a literal hurricane. And they said, not only did this tent make it through the hurricane, but we've used it for 10 years since then. Wow. Like, so it's not like a one-time use in bad weather. It's like you can continue using this tent for many, many years. I thought, that's the type of tent I want to get. Yeah. So I, I went with that tent. I just bought it. This is my first time yeah, using it I'll, on we'll the camping trip. We'll put some B-roll. But we both, we're yeah. both using tent, new tents yeah. for the first trip on this trip. It's the yeah. best, like, having new gear that you can oh, yeah. geek out with with yeah. other people. And, you know, that's the exact opposite of what I said before. This is the a, such a big splurge. I think it's the most expensive camping equipment I've ever bought. Yeah. Um, but I thought... This is going to actually help me camp more because totally, yeah. once you buy something, you want to use it. You want to get your money's worth. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to inspire me. And then you never have me. to think like, let's say you like, so a couple of weeks ago, me and Ryan, we were determined to get caught in bad rain camping because <laughs> really? we wanted to test all of our gear. Oh, cool. It was at Warner Springs. It didn't end up raining and it was actually beautiful, but it was cold. But when you have your, when you know your gear is equipped to deal with weather, mm-hmm weather becomes not a not yes. not a barrier you know like yep. even if it's a little sprinkly and a little windy and let's say you know 
say I'm feeling feisty and like I want to go camp in this, you can go and take your gear and you will be able to have that experience. Yeah, and you'll be comfortable. And but comfortable. Yeah. You'll also survive. I mean, this is a big factor too of recognizing, you know, if the weather can change on a dime. Oh yeah. I mean, nature Especially, is yeah. dangerous. Heck yeah. Yeah. And you not only need to be educated, but you also have to be prepared. For sure. And yeah. I think a lot of people that get injured or maybe lose their lives, they're just either ignorant they're not prepared or they have really bad luck you know it could be luck too i mean some people there's expert people mm -hmm. that still get either lose their lives or get into really sketchy situations because overall it's nature you know because it's so funny like like this i'll label this as maybe like a philosophy of camping episode too it's like what it boils down to is control you're trying to control your environment control your processes control your sleeping system that's what the gear is for when you're in an uncontrolled, unregulated environment, especially with temperature, because almost everything we do has to do with weather, you know, temperature. Even like the jet boils at high elevations, certain fuels don't work as good, yeah. your coffee. So I know like at this elevation, which I camp usually going back to coffee, once I, like Ryan was saying with his jet boil, once I bring it to a boil, if I wait 30 seconds, then it gets to that mm-hmm. uh was it 103 temperature? Mm-hmm. So I don't burn the coffee. But if you're in a higher elevation, all that changes. You yeah. Know? Humidity changes. You know, wind changes. So it's called like, are camping people like control fleeks that want to let go of control in a <laughs> yeah. way? You know, it's like- <laughs> well, it's interesting too because my friend in Maine who recommended the tent, uh, which is a Hilleberg tent, yeah. by the way, um, they, they said that you know, you have to learn so much about how nature works. And when I was describing my situation in Voyagers, he was kind of laughing. He's like, you know, I've been out doing outdoor recreation for 20 plus years. And he's like, I've learned all that stuff, but you learn it through being in Mm -hmm. those situations. You can only read about it so much, but actually experiencing them is you kind of learn the hard way. Like, okay, Now I need to make sure when I go on a trip, I check what the wind is going to be like. Yep, yep. He said that's what he has like a whole checklist in his brain of like, okay, I'm going to check to see what the, not just the weather is going to be like, but what direction is the wind going to be coming from? Yeah. How windy is it going to be? He can also tell from the wind, like all these other factors. I mean, like it's like all yeah. these calculations in oh, his yeah, head, yeah. but sometimes he still isn't able to predict it. Yeah. You know, yeah. we went kayaking, which is one of his specialties. His name is Eli. He actually runs a, a really cool kayak uh, tour business out oh, in cool. Maine, nice. out near um, Freeport, Maine. And uh, his company's called like Wicked something, like Wicked Fun or Wicked Good. Or mm-hmm. <laughs> I can give you the link because yeah. he's so knowledgeable. But when we went camping Especially or kayaks, kayaking on the water, you got to know the wind. Yep. Yeah. But he said, you know, he has to go there and be prepared for it to change and not be what he's expected. Yeah. And so he always has like multiple plans in his head of what to do in these different type of situations yeah, and the yeah. gear that you might need. And like, I mean, that man's dedicated. It's his oh, passion yeah, yeah. and his line of business. Yeah. So that's a whole different way of approaching mm-hmm. things too. When I ask him for gear recommendations, he's not going to tell me the cheap stuff. Yeah, He's going to be like, well, tried th- and true. this is yeah. the stuff that will really withstand a lot of bad conditions but you'll feel prepared and safe and so do you want that peace of mind yeah or are you willing to risk it yeah because it's peace of like feeling safe and protected too Mm -hmm. so you came out last night right we were here for two nights before that and luckily when by the time you guys got here the wind had died the first two nights were so 
wind like huge gusts and i have this new gazelle tent which is a big tent and it's it's a pop-up hub tent so if anybody knows gazelle for people that don't know hub tents basically have a pop-up system where you pull out the walls and they pop out and it's super easy to set up but in wind just as they can pop out they can also pop in so when we got here it wasn't windy at all and i was like i don't know if i'm gonna uh, use the guy lines mm-hmm. to basically so guy line is tying a point on your tent to the ground so if it's windy it'll be stable I almost didn't do it <laughs> and then I ended up doing it because it's a new tent so I wanted to properly guy it down and you know have it good and I'm so glad I did because in the middle of the night the walls were solid I woke up once or twice Shelby was in there she was up like all night I think because I, I like and Shelby, hard, for people that don't know, is... My girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were laughing about it. I was like, how many people know who Shelby is? Yeah. The, the, the diehards know yeah. in, in the community. But I think that because I spent so much time researching this tent and watching YouTube videos of it surviving high wind, mm. I slept well. And because I knew I guide him down properly, I had the proper tent stakes, it was loud enough to wake me up and I woke up and I kind of like looked at the walls and I was like, they're fine. And I just went back to sleep, you know, and I just felt slept through like crazy wind gusts the entire night slept way better as opposed to like, you know, no fault of Shelby's, but not doing all the research that I did for the tent. <laughs> she's just kind of like, she's over there laughing. <laughs> just kind of like along for the ride, you know, she's like. But if I you can, don't can, know. Yeah, if you don't know, it's like. Which I didn't know just a few months ago. Yeah. I didn't know what a tent would be like in bad wind because I had. Yeah. I just had lucked out, I guess, on all my other trips. Yeah. Never experienced wind like yeah. that. And so, you know, if you. Sometimes you do need to learn the hard way or oh, sometimes yeah. you need to like research and see what should I keep in mind. And actually, I was excited when I when you told me about your windy night, I felt a little jealous because I really wanted, wanted to, to test it, out yeah. my tent. And then last night we did have some big well, gusts, yeah, not as yeah. big as I guess you had had before, but similar to what you just said, it was amazing to be in a tent where I felt safe and yeah, secure nothing's gonna happen. and I was yeah. I woke up a few times and I was like I'm good I'm good the walls are steady yeah, yeah. I didn't even set up my guy line guy, is it guy lines guy I think it's G-U-Y okay. I don't know why it's called guy lines I probably would have called them guide, guide. lines maybe it's G-U-I-D <laughs> I don't know maybe it is I think is it guidelines or I don't know we're gonna have to look this up <laughs> I think it's guy but I can see it being guide yeah as well we'll have to look okay. it up <laughs> but so that's another thing too. People like so properly, gu- like not only guying all your guy points down, but also guying all the guys. Yeah, <laughs> guy all the guys, <laughs> but proper, but properly securing them with pro- proper tent stakes too. Yes. So even on this, the video that I'm doing a walk around first time use for the gazelle tent, I counted how many guy lines you could potentially use on that, and it's twenty. Whoa. Yeah. So right now, a big I have five guyed out. Um, no, sorry, t- twenty tent stakes. Okay. To proper to use every every guy point, including mm-hmm. the footprint ones and stuff, mm-hmm. so that aren't guyed out, but they're still mm-hmm. stakes. But if you're gonna be in high wind, you need to have each one of those guy points tied down because I'm assuming you know the manufacturers of these tents put them in wind tunnels, and yes. so they find the weak points, and that's where they attach yeah. a guy point. So a lot of times too, I think so. Like even. Ryan had his teepee tent out here, which is a really cool dome teepee tent. 
But the sand here is also where he had set up. The ground is so soft. It was mm -hmm. pulling the tent stakes out. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do in that situation before. Mm -hmm. well, it, th again, that windy situation. I had to like figure shit out. Like, yeah, yeah. Because... I didn't know how to properly stake down. Like you're supposed to do them on an angle, but like which angle do you do? And yours are like a hybrid stake that has the scoop my for new sand. Stakes yeah, are, the yes. new ones. My old the Ozarks are like are the just cheap L L shaped oh, those are the metal. Worst. You can't even hammer those because no, they're always like twisting. And exactly, bending. they bend down, and I and I was like putting rocks on top of them, but the wind was so strong, the rocks were falling. I, it was like a nightmare. Yeah. There are, now that you're saying <laughs> something, one of the survival guys did a video. That showed you how to guy stuff down. Let's say if the ground is like frozen solid, mm -hmm. it's almost like so you where the where the angle of the guy is. You put like a rock right here, and then like wrap something, oh, and then I'll have to look it up. Mm -hmm. But he was saying he's like, yeah, if you're in a snowstorm and it's windy, and you it's solid ground, and you can't because a lot of times if you're backpacking too, you're not bringing a hammer, right? So unless you find like a really good rock. And then if the you have, even if you have a good rock and it's solid frozen, you're not going to be able to you know guy it out, which you need the guy lines on in mm -hmm. high wind. Mm -hmm. There's different methods of doing it, but so Ryan's tent in that soft sand, we were always looking at it. He just had it set up because we were going to try it. And we were like, oh my god, is it going to fly away? It's going to fly away because it looked like it, everybody sent me. Have you seen that video? It's like I got a campground and somebody literally like films like up in the sky and there's a tent flying away, like literally probably 75 feet in the air. A giant 10 person tent just filled with air like a balloon, like a mylar balloon floating away. And I was like, oh, oh my god, no. If that happened to your your like expensive tent, I mean, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't. But I, that's what I was afraid was going to happen in my Ozark tent that windy night. I yeah. was like, is the wind just going to pick me up off the ground <laughs> and send me flying like through the air into the water? Oh my God. I, don't, I, don't think it, I don't think it would. But what's worse than that, if your poles fail, then you just have oh, this tent gosh, on top of you. That's what I thought was going to happen because they were Then if it's cheap. raining and then it's like you have, this, oh. you have the cold tent and you're like literally... Like someone, like a tent without the poles, and oh, then it's just no. like I know it's like the worst feeling. It's, it really, and this is why it's it's so helpful to to go camping with other people that are knowledgeable and like l figure out this stuff with somebody or take a class. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. taken a few classes at REI. Actually, they have free classes. They have a free mm -hmm. like beginner's guide to camping class that yeah, I took, yeah. which was really cool. They I took a backpacking class i took one to prepare to climb mount whitney which i want to do at Ooh, some point yeah. and so like really you can find inexpensive or free ways to educate yourself of course with what you're doing yeah yeah i need so to consolidate my playlists into mm -hmm. like i gotta figure out a way or Maybe do like in-person classes yeah, yeah or in-person classes yeah right like come learn from roland yeah or i was thinking of doing like because i also want to have like that content Free, because I was thinking about doing a Patreon and having like a whole like slow down every single process in it. Yeah. But that's the stuff that I want free to new campers. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I was. I feel like once people feel like they're solid and able and willing to invest in like some of the higher tier camp stuff, that's what I'll probably do on a Patreon. Mm -hmm. But either way, I need to organize the all my videos because I have so many on you TikTok. Do. It's like yeah. I I don't even, I can't even remember all of them. You know, <laughs> yeah. like but yeah, just like. I like I, I usually never use all the guidelines mm -hmm. ever almost and like I'm so glad with the new tent that's one thing doing a lot of research everybody said use the guidelines because even in a relatively 
you know, gusty day that's not crazy, the hub tents will push in. That's one of the oh, downsides to them. When it. we pack up this tent, I'll show you how easily it packs up. Cool. Without the guidelines, you just push that hub in and boom, it like collapses. Wow. So, so is, is it considered a pop-up tent? I think so. Yeah, it's because like, those sound really great in theory, but they're so big and bulky. Does yeah, this pack? That's, no, that's the the <laughs> downsides. I don't see the guideline thing as a as a downside because I understand it's it's part of the design, and for being that stable and that roomy, it's worth it to me. The two downsides that everybody says about these tents is it's heavy mm-hmm. and it's huge. Yeah. So I think it's five and a half feet tall. Wow wrapped up almost like basically like wow. the size of a pop-up canopy yep a little bit b- bigger probably just as heavy honestly but you get so much more use out of that tent mm-hmm. you know so and that's what you have to think about too are you car camping are you backpacking yeah. are you yeah. so this I is not know, this is not, i would i wouldn't even this is probably the furthest i would set up the tent in like a car camping mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. because it's pretty like heavy 20 feet or something. And, and this goes up on the roof rack because wow. i haven't tried it but i don't think i can fit it in the outback with the rest of my stuff mm-hmm. so those are the two downsides and then there's that element too like i got my when i bought my car about five and a half years ago I had no idea I was going to do road trips and car camping in it. And now I'm like, wow, I I might need to consider a different car at some point because I'm going to just outgrow it with all the gear. Yeah. Like in having a rugged car with a roof rack and enough space Mm -hmm. inside, like there's so many considerations. This is an expensive, intense (laughs) hobby. Passion, I I get it too. There are people like, well, you guys just have a bunch of crap you don't need. Yes, I completely understand that. But we're (laughs) gear people. We like the crap, you know? And it's funny, my friends in in Maine that I've been mentioning, Eli and and, um, his wife, Heather, who I've known literally my whole life, uh, my uh, our parents met in Lamaze class. No way. Whoa. And this Heather and I are three days apart. And I'm so grateful for her and her husband's knowledge. And years ago when I visited them in Maine, they showed me their basement, which is like their own mini camping store because they have so much gear. They have like oh, yeah. everything you could possibly imagine. And I was like, these people are crazy. Like, what do they need all this stuff for? And now I envy them. I'm oh, like, yeah. I wish I had a basement that I could fill with My gear. My goal when we hopefully buy a house one day is to have a gear garage. Mm-hmm. Organized. I saw something totally off topic. I saw something organized wise um, on TikTok where somebody had QR codes on all their bins and then you just scan it and it shows you everything that's in that bin. I was like, amazing. I was like, that's so organized. All the systems. Yeah, Evie's barking at Crinkle. Yeah. (laughs) So we have two dogs here. That's another consideration is what is it like to camp with a dog? Yeah, exactly. You know, like what do you think about when you bring Crinkle? So one of the things, you want to go check on her? Crinkles. It's, it's the it's a crinkles bell. I know. Here he comes over here. Oh, he's ding, looking ding. for you. What are you doing? Oh. So most of the reason why I have all this stuff is for this guy. I mean, he has a setup that's pro- embarrassing. How much <laughs> this little guy stuff. But like, here. if you love your dog and you want to bring your dog camping, or even your cat, we were talking about camping with cats last yeah. night. You know, you do have to think about them, too, and there's a lot of considerations yeah, that go into yeah. keeping your dog safe, uh-huh. keeping your dog comfortable, which I yeah. learned a lot from you when we went camping over the summer. Yeah. yeah. Um, the heat. Yeah. I didn't realize how hot my dog would get. Yeah. And yeah. the stuff that I needed to keep her cool. Yeah, yeah. 
So, I mean, that's one of the... Go back to money. <laughs> that's one of the reasons... So, I love that old Snow Peak tent we had. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to get rid of it. I'm still probably going to use it during summer or when I'm solo. But what the, what the Snow Peak... And it's kind of part of their whole philosophy in camping, too, was not just a tent just to sleep in mm. so like our other tent we would only sleep in there yeah we might keep a bag in there um but with car camping we liked the snow peak so much because it was like not just a it wasn't just a room it was also like a living quarters a to a den we could <laughs> hang out in there yeah and that just literally the thing about that not only was it a bigger tent so we've been getting bigger and bigger and it's funny because you've been going smaller and smaller but we've realized, especially with having Crinkle, having that outdoor area with the snow peak that's the little awning, mm-hmm. we were stuck in rain one camp trip, and it was so nice just to be able, we basically shrunk camp down to the size of we can just hang out out there, put a little table outside, we were sheltered from the rain, nice. Crinkle and Shelby would hang out inside the tent, and I could just hang out outside, you know, or I can go inside too. We have a little table in the tent, we have a, some lights in there, and just make it like really cozy. Yeah. Excuse me. And with the snow peak, what we also liked too is because it opened up on all four sides, Crinkle liked being able to sit in the tent and see us from wherever we were Mm, around the tent. mm -hmm. Because he has a little separation anxiety, or is it us that has separation anxiety (laughs) from him? You know, that's how they always say. (laughs) So I loved all those aspects of the snow peak tent. And then when we went, me and Ryan went to Warner Springs a couple weeks ago, and it was cold and that's a trip that we were we were planning on i literally brought all my rain gear clothing Mm. uh i set up my tarp in a way that it was right next to the outback so it was like an a-frame tarp guy down so that i could have all my gear under it Mm -hmm. and we were sitting out there and ryan had his setup too with his uh it was kind of like a pyramid style um awning for the jeep and we were sitting under there with our propane fires and we're like, wow, this is so much warmer under the awnings with the propane fires. It would be cool if it was fully enclosed, though. Because mm. we're also talking about, you know, as you progress, like, will we ever get be like RV campers? Right. We're like, probably not. But we would go like Overland Trailer. Yeah, it's kind of like you're making your own outdoor version of an RV. Yeah, you're ma- it, RV. It's like it just gets <laughs> progresses. So eventually yeah. you're just making outdoors indoors. And yeah, then, you know, exactly. It's so funny the way that works. I know. But it's like part of what I think makes it fun, especially in these group settings <laughs> like we're in right now. It's like just being able to like hang out. And, and when you come camping, you'll often go somewhere with no cell service. Yeah, like here. Yeah. Which... Yeah. You know, that automatically reduces things that you might normally do at home. Yeah, yeah. And then you don't plan anything and you just hang out. Yeah. So if you're hanging out somewhere, you probably want to have a number of things to do versus if you're backpacking and just sleeping, yeah. you can be much more minimal. Yeah, and you're a lot you tired know? at the end of the day because you've obviously yeah. just hiked in. When I do my road trips too, like I go to a campground, I'm looking for someplace that's safe when I'm by myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a place where I can like pull off the highway, spend the night and then get pack up early in the morning. So it's a very different yeah. form of camping than yeah. this is. Whatever you know? style your trip is about, you mm-hmm. know? So going back to the same thing, that style of, of trip, we I like the and Crinkle absolutely loves the gazelle tent now mm. because it's basically two tents in one and the outside the the outside tent, one of the tents you can unfold all of the rain coverings and then it's a screened in room in there. 
So he likes it because he can sit in there and it's like his room and then he can, again, see us. Mm-hmm. It's way, that tent is way warmer than I thought it was going to be also. Cool. And also, I say I might go back to the Snow Peak, which I will. I love, don't get me wrong, I love the Snow Peak tent because it opened my mind up to a different style of what a tent can be. Yeah. It was the gateway to going to the gazelle, you know? Yeah. So if it wasn't for that tent, I wouldn't have understood what a tent could be so with that one too i like in the summer i could be you know from bugs to keep the bugs out we can hang out can inside there his, his bell yeah temporarily. yeah i wonder yeah, if that's what yeah. she's barking at you could take crinkle's bell off thank I'm you that's what she's barking yeah at. she probably hears it in evie's mind the bell's like ha ha <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like I'm out here inside the tent and you're not. Yeah. Um But yeah, yeah okay. it's, it's interesting. Oh, I was going to tell you too that um I slept in my hammock twice Ooh. this year, which I'd never tried before, but I want to try that. Yeah. It was actually really cool, but but it was a whole different mentality. I just did it in my parents' backyard. Okay. Uh, they live in Massachusetts and they have a big property. Mm-hmm. And so there's animals, you know, we have coyotes all the time oh, yeah, in the backyard. Yeah. We have deer and, you know, all sorts of little critters and stuff. And I went kind of far back in the property, so it felt like semi-remote. And I actually felt really vulnerable. And it was I an bet. interesting mental exercise because, first of all, I was thinking, gosh, like, you're you're just in a hammock. In the backyard. Yeah. And it's, like, a very different experience oh, than yeah. being in a tent. Yeah. And so... I had to deal with like the mental process that you go through. And I guess when you're sleeping, yeah, you're, you're the slight anxiety. Yeah. I get, I totally you get that. You just feel exposed. Yeah. yeah. Even though the hammock that I have, which I also got, like, it's just some knockoff brand on Amazon. Um, I just wanted to try out a hammock. I didn't yeah. know if I would like it. So I got a cheap one that has a bug net. Well, and I yeah, first yeah, used it when, when we went on yeah, that yeah, camping yeah. trip um, in the Sierras, which, Having a bug net is a game changer. Yes. On that trip, that the trip, bugs were bad, for sure. yeah. and that was a whole a whole other topic we could get into. Is like, how do you deal with bugs? Yeah. Luckily, yeah. where we're at right now, there's no. And bugs, the time and of year, so nice. there is bugs here when it's like bug season. Okay. Yeah, during spring, so summer, you have to be because there's a creek right there too, so all the mosquitoes come up. Oh yeah. man, I mean, just having the right bug spray, the clothing, oh, yeah. also having an enclosed area to hang out in. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, I so I had this this hammock with a bug net, and it's really secure. Like it was like a thirty dollar hammock, and this thing can hold hundreds of pounds. Yeah. And I took my mattress. I have an Exped uh, thick air mattress which is awesome that's what and I've that heard. thing fits inside the hammock yes so i put that in there with my sleeping bag and just zipped up the bug yep. net yeah. and slept in there in the summer it was so cool yeah. like it was a really nice experience once i got over all the like mental fears of like yeah. a coyote coming and sniffing around yeah because oh, yeah. that's freaky oh yeah <laughs> well to your point I, I always say i'm a big advocate especially for new campers or if you're camping with your family or you're trying a different method and you've never camped before, try it in your backyard first. Yes. Because you yes. will feel like like you felt in the hammock but in the tent. Oh, you know? yeah. It's it's a vulnerable feeling. of just Even when you're with other people, Oh yeah. there's still yeah. something about like being in a tent that makes you feel a little exposed. Oh, yeah. You can hear exposed. things. You'd be surprised. Like when you're, yeah. I don't know if it's being on the ground, 
But when you're standing up, you know, even if the, the your neighbor campers are kind of far, they mm-hmm. sound far. But once yes. you go to sleep and you're on the ground, sounds like they're in your campsite sometimes. Oh, yeah. In fact... <laughs> I don't know if this will, you can cut this out of your podcast if it is, if it's not appropriate, no, no. but, um, a few months ago I went camping in, uh, uh, Tennessee uh-huh. with some family members and we were at a campground kind of like this where the, the, you know, you could see the, the other campers at the other site Yeah, and they were just like silent. We saw them walking around, like didn't think much of it. We fall asleep. I'm in, in my tent, my cousin who I was camping with was in his tent, not too far from mine. Yeah. And it's kind of cool when you're like two tents that are maybe like 10 feet away. You can talk to each other. Oh, yeah. You can hear each yeah. other. You for, you don't realize till you're in a tent, like how much you can hear. Yeah. Yeah. So the middle of the night, we start hearing the people for the very first time and they're having sex. <laughs> And this is never, has this ever happened to you at a campground? No, someone during a live though told me, were they like an OnlyFans outdoor? <laughs> I don't know what these people, it wasn't, first of all, it went on forever. Like they were having a really good time, but Everything's they better were also so loud. And I was like, who does this? They knew we were there. It's not oh, like, yeah. it's not like they couldn't see us and didn't realize there was company. Like they were full on fully at it and my cousin and I just start laughing and we're like we can hear each other in our separate tents and we're just laughing because it's like awkward and really funny at the same time but then at a certain point I was like this is so inconsiderate yeah especially if like people have like kids and stuff I know I'm like what are you doing yeah yeah. and that's an interesting factor to consider at campgrounds too is you never know who your neighbors are going to be yeah yeah and sometimes they're just up partying listening to music Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you and I when we were on that trip in July like they were like riding around their motorized vehicles like like being super loud in the morning yeah yeah so I like to be prepared with earplugs and you guys actually had a white noise machine <laughs> yep last time. i often bring that's a white noise a but that yeah. doesn't help with it helps a little just to like help your brain relax but yeah. it doesn't cancel out a ton of noise so yeah. i bring the earplugs the white noise machine and or um headphones i have these uh they're called Sleeping sleep head- phones oh, cool. yeah. yeah and they go flat on your ear oh, and nice. you can turn on white noise and that cancels oh, out like cool. every sound like that. yeah that's so great at a campground just yeah. to just in case yeah yeah for sure because if you're a light sleeper mm-hmm. that can make camping really challenging oh, yeah. too yeah just yeah. you don't even like animals i yeah. mean you'll hear the the sounds of like a critter like walking through leaves and it, and sounds, it sounds like, like a human a, a, yeah close you're like <laughs> yeah, uh yeah. is there someone outside my tent and yeah. it's just like some innocent squirrel yeah yeah you know yeah. like there's the sound consideration i i mm-hmm. didn't understand until i started tent camping yeah and i mean it's also too like when i depending on who i'm camping with if i'm going with people that do like to party we usually try to go to dispersed campsites yes so we're not bothering uh, bothering other people you know so that's also considering too but also too it's like you got to be more prepared to do those things as Mm -hmm. well to be out there because usually there's no table no campfiring no water no facilities yeah yeah like considering you know a lot of times when you go to especially popular campgrounds Anybody could be there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a lot of people ask if I feel safe, and it's most times I feel extremely safe. There's only been a couple times 
where maybe the neighbors were like a little too friendly and you're like, hey. And it gets a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. give me some space. I'm like, wondering <laughs> too. So like if that's, and a lot of times it's older yes. people. Yep. So one time me and my buddies, one of my other buddy, we were out camping in, um, where were we? We're in Laguna, Laguna Mountain in Cleveland National, not that far from here, National Forest. We found this dispersed campsite and we knew there was a guy camping up the road from us and he comes in the morning. We were having coffee. It was kind of like this, but we're dispersed camping, so there's no nothing. It's just like our cars and us. No, no road. Like there isn't even a paved road. And this guy comes up with a backpack, and we see him coming, and we kind of wave, and he seems friendly enough. But he comes like beelining toward, not fast, but just like towards us. And literally, like if we were here, like he sits like right in the middle of us, and he's like. Oh, and as he's coming, he's like, hey, I'm going to visit with you guys. And the only reason that I know what that phrase means is because of Shelby's grandparents. It just means like, hey, come sit and chat for a while. But my buddy didn't know what it means. And I, as soon as he said that, I just saw his eyes go like, and he kind of like backed away. <laughs> but I mean, he was nice, nice, nice elderly gentleman. You know, mm -hmm. he said he was out there camping. I think he's from Arizona. But he comes down, sits right in the middle of, of basically of us between us, you know, takes off his pack and we just chatted for a little bit and then he just was on he just went on his way but even even as two males there we were like this is fucking this is a little weird you yeah. know you know and it could be a cultural thing you know yep. if he's from like you know different parts of yes. backcountry maybe that's part of mm -hmm. camping culture too so I, I i admit that maybe i'm ignorant to like i said i camp mostly in california maybe in other parts of the state when you're camping it's more like a maybe camaraderie based mm -hmm. you know like so yeah we weren't freaked out but we were definitely weirded out yeah. <laughs> just just because like it's almost like he knew he was going to do that like like he was like all right tomorrow i'm going to go up and talk to those guys you know because <laughs> you know how usually like when I, I do it too sometimes like the other day i camped and i saw someone with a white outback in a snow peak tent same setup oh, that whoa. i had so you kind of walk up and you kind of keep your distance you know and you say oh hey how's it going yeah notice your tent you know and you kind of talk from like what i did the other day when those hikers were there you kind of talk from a distance and you notice people slowly start coming together and yeah. then like they'll shake hands yeah. this guy just straight like didn't even, didn't even flinch and i was like whoa <laughs> look at that confidence yeah. it was also i'm like you don't know who we are as well exactly. you know but maybe it's just you know maybe i'm just too paranoid and he was just friendly old man you know, I know <laughs> but i don't that, know that's that's an interesting thing i'm still trying to work out on that 2020 trip with my friend um we went to this amazing campground in yeah. arizona on the border it was near page um so like Arizona Utah border and uh, she had done a little research on it it ended up just being such a cool place um, I forget what it was called but it was there's like a rock in the in part of the river over there I think maybe it's called like Lone Rock okay. campground or beach or something like that and it's like a giant like party we, we got there around Labor Day weekend and everyone's out there like partying with yeah. loud music. Yeah. I think there were fireworks going off. I mean, there were tons of people, huge campground. Fireworks? Yeah. That's not good. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. I think so. Maybe they're like little like like poppers, whatever yeah, those yeah. things are called. Um, and people were like on their, um, what are they called? OTVs? ATVs. ATV yeah, but side there's by side. ATVs. And then there's another terminology for those recreational vehicles. Um, 
I know ATV side by sides, quads. There's so many terminals. Anyways, yeah. like one of those motorized things that people are riding around in the dunes and yeah. stuff. Um, but anyways, we're there, and and we there was a beach, so we yeah. went swimming. We brought our bathing suits, went swimming. We're in our bathing suits, drying off, and we're like getting our campground ready. And this guy comes up, and I felt super vulnerable because we're two girls in our bathing suits. Yeah. And this older man walks up and starts talking and like offering to help us out. And I was like, I don't know who this person is. I don't want his help. And my friend is being so nice to him. And I'm thinking, what is she doing? He finally leaves. And she's like, don't worry about him. She's like, he's just like a Midwestern guy. I've met plenty of them. Like he's harmless. And she, it was like a cultural thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. In my head, his actions like felt really alarming, but she's from the Midwest. And so she's like used to that type of uh conversation yeah, that type yeah. of person and it just was an opportunity to realize like sometimes it's very context and it sometimes it's yeah, a, yeah. an experience thing and you have to tune into yourself to really like try to figure out what works best for you because yeah. they might be harmless but that doesn't mean you're going to be comfortable around them. yeah yeah like you, you if you're you know intuition is going off like you should really listen to that oh, yeah yeah even if they're not gonna do anything yeah it's like the opposite of that have you ever told the story of uh the your australia story i have not <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, if you ever share that that that's basically a lesson in you know being mindful of who who you trust yeah yeah, yeah. especially that's, when you're i mean alone. that's that's definitely i feel like we could end with that yeah story. Are you I, feel tell like it? I can yeah, it's not really yeah. a camping story but i think it's an outdoor like situational awareness story yeah. that i think uh would be a good lesson because that could have happened like anywhere and honestly i i really empathize with people especially women because i understood my privilege of being a man like i was totally unassuming mm -hmm. he seemed like he was the a normal dude like I was like I can trust this guy you know yeah. like he's fine but yeah. it definitely ended up not being that you know so I guess like I guess I should tell yeah. the story now the so, PG version yeah the PG is this, I, I, is this an R-rated podcast I put explicit or? on everything okay. just because you know Great. once in a while I'll throw a curse word out <laughs> yeah. there you know um, but yeah. I feel like it's all in good taste it's not just yeah, yeah. you know so okay so this is going tying this into outdoor awareness and being mm. so like when you're out camping too like a lot of times you're dispersed camping and I was wondering if it's like this in California when you're dispersed camping in national forests or wherever BLM land, your campsite, not the campground, but a lot of times your campsite is considered a temporary residence. Oh. So for me, especially going out to places alone or going deep in this year where like I eventually want to solo camp out there and everybody that showed me out there, they're like, Hey, you need to carry with you when you're out there. Mm. So a lot of times too, it depends on the recreation that you're doing. Like there's some crazy loopholes where like if you're fishing, you're allowed to carry a rifle and even in some urban areas, it's how mm. the laws are and it's really weird. I'm almost positive, but for sure it's considered a temporary residence. So you could like open carry at a campsite, you know, because but you're also responsible for anything that happens within that campsite. So there's a lot of you know responsibility that comes along with it. But in that sense of uh, train of thought, it's like when someone comes right into your campsite, you know, it is public land, obviously, but it's just weird having someone encroach on your personal bubble. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. especially when you're, you know, you don't really know, understand what's going on. Um, and sometimes too, they may seem completely friendly, and it or it could not go. So the story is, I guess we'll close out with this. Yeah. Um, 
So I and was, by the way, this is this was told to us around the campfire last night. So it was yeah. kind of cool to witness. <laughs> yeah. So you know, set up set up a little fire, pull up a chair. Pull up a chair. This is this is <laughs> okay. So this is the story of how I almost got into taken into the sex trade ring. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So this is such a, be a good, good like, yeah, clip for like, <laughs> yeah. you know, at the beginning of your show, yeah. why you should listen yeah. all the way to the end yeah. is for this story. <laughs> so back, I think it was 2010. Um, so this is quite a while ago. I backpacked the with a, two friends. We backpacked the Pacific Rim. We basically went from um, California, from LAX to Tahiti, New Zealand, Australia, so Thailand, cool. Cambodia. All, and then all the way back to San Francisco. But this story takes place in Australia, which is, you don't think about, you know, as being a dangerous place, aside from like the animals, you know, like everybody's mm-hmm. like, they have the craziest animals. So we were, I had a working visa. So we were in, uh, we we're at a beach called St. Kilda Beach, which was like an hour ride from the rail from when we were couch surfing with these, you know, people. Couch surfing was a great tool we used all the time. So we were staying with strangers too. So our radar, is very trusting. Like I feel like, and we were back, we were living out of a backpack. Like, so it's like out of a 60 liter backpack. That's all we owned for six months. All we could carry was on our bags. So you become very like trusting. And I don't know. I feel, I feel like now looking back at it, I'm like, I can't believe my parents let me do that. (laughs) Like basically, you know, halfway across the world, living out of a bag, we were like, we were surviving off of trusting people, Wow, you know, yeah. Yes, on couch surfing, you do get vetted through the website, through other mm-hmm. people. Did you use that couchsurfing.com yeah, couchsurfing. or whatever? Yeah. Oh, cool. And we did that woofing too, Worldwide Opportunities for Organic Farmers. So we did that oh, too. Geez. So it's like all these reciprocity. I know you get into this like traveling karmic, you know, like, oh, I'm a citizen of the world kind of like yeah. mentality or whatever. You know, you just realize how that's the first time I've really been out of the States. So realizing how much of a bubble we live in here mm-hmm. and everybody's so most people are so accommodating, so helpful. Anyways, back to the story. We're at this little restaurant that we went to called I think it's called Lentil as Anything. It was like a vegan spot that did like um, again in that whole like karmic thing too. You order and then you just pay whatever it's worth and like they feed the homeless and stuff. So we go there, and we go to this beach called St. Kilda, and we're watching like kite surfers. Beautiful. There was probably like two hundred kite surfers, and it's like it was like a cove beach or something. My friends leave. They say, "Hey, we'll be back in an hour. We're gonna go look for some work." Um, so they were going to stop at some restaurants. They just want to do like server, like, you know, bartender. So, all right, cool. I'll stay here watching the kite servers. This guy walks up to me, just very nonchalant, just like we're talking about. Like the guy rolled in, didn't even like beeline me. It's almost like he was like on a walk too. And he kind of sits down. He's like, Hey man, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I'm just watching these kite servers. I've never seen so many. He starts telling me about the kite surfers there. I remember weird memory specifically. They had like trees that had metal wrapped around them and i was like yeah what are the i was like oh you seem to know a lot about here what is that for it's like oh there's for the rack the critters don't crawl up the tree so they'll slide off weird memory because once (laughs) this happened i started like retracing everything and he's like we're talking he's telling me all this cool stuff about you know australia and the beach and stuff and he then he's like hey what so you so you guys are looking for work and i'm like yeah my buddies are looking for work and i'm just waiting for them here it was a girl and a guy jess and bill shout out jess and bill they were gone and so an hour goes by they're not back yet this guy's still chatting with me again just like if i were oh i met a new friend this guy's mm-hmm. super cool and then he's like hey they have a my friend has a fruit stand that he hires travelers to work under the table and that's exactly kind of what we were looking for and i was like oh no i'm i'm fine like uh it wasn't a red flag. It was just like, no, I got to wait for my friends because if they come mm-hmm. and I'm not here. Mm-hmm. Anyways, like a few hours go by. They're still not back. Finally, he's like, hey, 
like I was like, where are you? He's like, where are you guys staying? I was like, I didn't. I know. I knew to tell him the general area. He's like, well, I can give you a ride back, you know. And I was like, okay, well, I guess if we can stop at that fruit stand if it's still open, you know, and see your buddy. And then he said he'd give me a ride back. So I was like, cool, free mm. ride back. So, and I knew that when I got there, I could use the phone and call there or like, you know, try to see, email them. I was like, maybe they went to the library or something. So go with this guy. First, in retrospect, first red flag. He's driving in this industrial area, like, and he's like, oh, I know, I think the fruit stands around here somewhere. I was like, this is weird, but I don't know. Maybe we have breweries in industrial areas here, yeah. you know. So I was like, maybe that's how they do it out here. So we you end up not finding it, and then he's like, it's getting late. The sun's going down by now, and he's like, oh, we could stop by here. He's like, you like the Olympics and stuff? I was like, oh yeah, Olympics are cool. You know, he's like, you want to go to the old abandoned Olympic village? I was like, yeah, <laughs> With dude, the guy you just I met. Like, I was like, that sounds super cool, <laughs> and so. I don't remember the exact order of where which ones we went, but we went to three really cool places. One was this like, um, it was like an abandoned. They're all abandoned, dark places, <laughs> desolate places. In retrospect, one was this bridge that I guess like helped the economy when they had like a you know economic downfall, and they they had this historic bridge that like gave a bunch of people jobs and stuff. One was this giant like Buddha. I don't even know where I couldn't even tell you where this was, but I have pictures <laughs> on my Facebook of all these places at night it's so crazy watching these photos and then we went to this like bird estuary so those are the three places we went to and on the way to the first place he's like we were talking about beer because i you know i obviously love beer and when we were traveling australia everybody had a micro brew home brew in there all the places we couch surfed everybody had their own brew and so I, i was used to people saying hey i brew my own beer try this batch or like i'm newer so it's cool to try everybody's home brews and so he's like oh i have some home brew we're in a car, mind you. And I was like, he's like, you want to try it? I was like, no, nah, I got to get back to you know where we're going. He was like, oh, I have it in the trunk. And I was like, fucking weird. But okay. I'm like, down. Let's do it. So You're he, like, hmm. He comes back with trunk these. Trunk beer. Yeah, trunk beer. Uh, that sounds great. I, it, it, must, it was like a little mini cake because it was like frothy. It looked like it was from the tap or something. Um, <laughs> so he comes back with these two plastic cups and like he has one and I have one. And like, you know, it's, it's great. He's taking me all these cool spots. We went to this giant Buddha. He's like, his, it's, like it's almost like having a tour guide. Wow. Taking me all these places. And the last place for sure that I know that we went to was this bird estuary place where there was like, you go, you got out of the car. We went to like, we we're on this bridge and I was like taking photos of this, like, uh, you know, I don't know, just like whatever animals were there. I was drunk at the time. I was like, I want to remember this later. So this is <laughs> the middle of the night and you can like go this into was, this. This was probably like 1130, maybe 12 o'clock wow. at night by this time. But like I said, when you're traveling, you're like, oh, this is an experience of a lifetime. This cool <laughs> guy, you know, like this is, this is, everything's great. And I'll get back home, you know, problem. Like you're kind of like searching for these experiences mm. where like mo- most of the time your mind would say, no, I'm not going to do that. or I don't have time for that. You're like, well, right. let me just, you know, go with the flow. <laughs> so we're at this bird estuary. This I probably had like three of those big cups of whatever beer you had for them. I'm obliterated. Oh having a great time. Somehow we start talking about, <laughs> we're talking about dancing somehow. Because my dad has always danced like ballroom and like salsa and stuff. And so he comes up to me like from behind me. He's like, hey, you want to dance? And I just feel his rock hard <laughs> member on like the back of my leg. And I was like, what? And I was like, whoa, man. I was like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not that way. He's like, oh, no, I should, I, should, I should have a little dance, a little dance. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. So that was like, boom, red flag. <laughs> Immediately, <laughs> yeah. And then I was so I that I was like obliterated. I was like taking pictures. I had my old like little Nikon Pixel, so I started like taking photos like 
acting like I was taking photos of everything, but I wanted to get a photo of him. Mm. And he's like, no, no, no photos, no photos. And he like turns down and like starts walking the other direction. And I was like, this is sketch. I have no clue where I am. Like I knew I was at this bird estuary, but I have no clue where that, where, where I was. I couldn't walk home. So I kind of like, I was like, I either stay out here by myself or I get back in the car with this dude. And he's like, all right, well, I was like, I want, I was like, dude, I need to get home. Like my, then I was like, my friends are waiting probably, which they were, but I was like, I need to get home. So we get back in his car and immediately everywhere I traveled, like, that's why I kind of always carry a blade on me. So I pulled mm. out this pocket knife. I had this, I think. To was, show it to him? Dude, I wanted him to see like, okay. yo, if you try, like I was, oh, I was not like aggressively like, ah, ah, but I was like just flipping it. Like, you know, playing with mm. people fidget with knives. So I was yep. fidgeting with it and it was a decent size one. I think. It was uh, I was it was under the legal limit for being out there because I think that everything's different in different states. So I was like flipping it, and I was like, I the scariest part in retrospect was like I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna unalive this guy like mm. right like if something happens or if another car pulls up and like somebody gets out like I'm just gonna yeah. like and then I'm gonna run. Yep. So. I was like, dude, you need to take me home. And the whole time, he's like, oh, no, man. He's like, it's cool, man. You want to go to another, get another beer, another bar or something? I'm like, no, no, no. I need to go home. I need to go home. And then, like, so I always say, like, by the grace of God or the universe or whatever, we pull up to a stop sign, and I look across the, the road, and I see a, a they call I think they call it a rail there, a train station, mm-hmm. basically. And they had one of those boards that showed all the lines, and I saw the line that I needed to be on. Mm. And I was like, all right, shit. Uh, I need to, and I saw that there was this traffic light the next one. There was like, there was like a long road along the road. So I was like, uh, okay. I think I, I, I devised a plan. I'm like, next stop, I'm just going to get out and leave. Mm. And then, so sure enough, the next stop sign or light, I can't remember. I was like, all right, I'm out of here. Boom. I just like grabbed my bag. Cause it was in between my legs by then. Cause I knew I was going to have to leave. Yeah. So got out and then just started walking. You know, I didn't want to run and make it all like crazy. I was like, I'm out. Mm. Thanks man. I see the, I see my, my train home. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go. Yeah. And he's driving on the side of the road, like in a movie, you know, with the window down, like, hey, man, come in. Just come back in. We'll just oh go to one more gosh. place. Oh and I'm like, dang, this guy's like stalking me now. You know, like, oh it wasn't a far, it was probably like 50 feet to where I needed to turn off. Yeah. So I get on the train. I was there for like, I tried to go to a well-lit area, you know, near like a vending machine. Because I, I don't I don't know. That was just my, when you're in that state of mind, I was like, I just need to go somewhere where there's things or like, you know. Wait, when did he finally drive? He just drove away at a certain point? So after I basically got on the platform. He drove away. Oh. He kind of like circled back though. He was like, like, cause he was trying to talk to me. So like, and like he had to go, so he would come back. And I was like, no, man, like I'm staying here. And then by that time, there was enough distance between us that if he got out of the car, I would have just ran mm-hmm. and hid or something. Mm-hmm. So he ends up leaving. I was like, thank freaking god. And I get on the train. I I look like I've had like a rough night. I'm assuming because I was tired too. Plus all that just happened. Like I wasn't even processing what happened. I was just like, I just need to get back to our couch surfing place. But you also the the drinks that you had had a really big oh, impact yeah. on you. Yeah. Right? So so he get, so like I said, I probably had three of three maybe four like solo red cups those type L- of size. a little bit bigger like I they're like the I have some of them they're like camping cups but yeah probably if you fill that to the brim mm-hmm. is that amount and it was some kind of like dark stout or something but definitely like I was drinking a lot on that trip this is probably the most messed up I've been on that like it was so you had a high tolerance yeah and so yeah that's one, that's one of the things the i left out is yeah. so when we get back in the car after he put his member on me he asked me he's like you want another drink and I, like i don't know what it was in me like i was like i like i don't know like an alpha thing i looked him dead in the eye i was like another one and like he looked <laughs> he looked at me like okay man like 
I think I, I always oh, describe he was it like, like trying to check to see how you. Yeah, were like doing almost like I can't like, believe you're still <gasps> standing. Like God, that's creepy. And like Oof. I would describe it as like if you were to like you know tranquilize a rhino, yeah. or like <laughs> in the office when they shoot Stanley and he's not going down, and they just like keep <laughs> shooting him, and they're all like worried. That's what the kind of look was that he gave me. So he probably put something in your drink I, and I, was like I waiting know. for it to. I don't know. It was like I feel like I've never been on like like taking pills. Like, but I feel like if you mix alcohol and pills, that's what it would feel like. Gosh. The, like, it was way beyond just a regular drunk. Like, and I don't know. I'm a big dude, too. So, I don't know what he, like, this is just speculation. Maybe it was just a strong alcohol. But, like I said, I'm pretty well versed in how I feel with certain alcohols. Even then, I was, like, early 20s. So, I really was starting to know, like, in drinking a lot. So, I was like, this is something else, you know. But part of me, like I said, because by the time we got back to the car, I was I was like, all right, I might have to unalive someone. And I was like, mm. I want to I want to be like what I don't want to remember it. Like I want to be like liquid courage like, you know, like oh, really? it's going to give me a fighting chance because really? yeah, that's what I kind of felt like. I'm like, let's do it cuz I just need to be like uh, I don't know. I don't know. I was not in my right state of mind. What know? was it that switched to that I mean, was it just that suddenly it became sexual and you that's what scared yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And he and then he was like after that point like he backed off and then he started to be like more unrelenting like it came it became about before i was like yeah like it was a control thing so before i was like hey you want to go here and i was like yeah i want to go here let's mm. that sounds cool to see a giant buddha that sounds cool to see olympic village then it came from hey we we should go here i want to take you here blah, blah 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 and so it went from like yeah man i'm your taxi wherever you want to go i got nowhere to be you know let me know what you want to do to no i want us i want us to be together like i want us that sounds a little like dramatic but like yeah. i want it i want to go, take you to these places I like he that, was trying to court you or something or like convince yeah. you that he was a cool guy? Yeah, kind of. But so this is where it all kind of ties in is so I get onto the train and there's these kids there. I mean, I was a kid at that point, too. Like I said, I was early 20s. They were probably like, you know, a few years younger than me. And they're talking like, hey, man, what are you doing? They were obviously kind of drinking, too. And they're like, you look pretty rough. And I was like, yeah, I just had a crazy experience. And, like, and they when I spoke, like, oh, you're American. They're like, you want to go to a fucking party, man? I was like. <laughs> No, and they're like, and then they went from like really like excited to like talk to me, and then they're like, "Dude, are you okay?" And I told them what happened and whatever version I told them, and then they were like, "What? Where did this happen? Where were you?" And they were like, "I was like, I was at St. Kilda's," and they're like, "You got picked up at St. Kilda's?" And I was like, "Yeah, why?" They're like, "Dude, that's like an place is like infamous, like for like red light district, like sex trafficking stuff." And I was like, "Are you serious?" Unless they were messing with me, I don't think so because they looked concerned at that point. They were like, whoa, man, you are lucky like nothing happened to you. Wow. Yeah. And so that's when it hit me and I was like, okay, I just need to freaking get home. Wow. <laughs> I, just need to, I just need to get home. So we ended up getting, I don't even know what time in the middle of the night is. I ended up getting home and then I felt bad. I don't know why too. It was just such so many decisions that didn't make sense that I made. Even this point, like I was like, I don't want to wake anybody up in the house. So I'm just going to sleep on the porch on this porch swing. And I got eaten live by mosquitoes because it was hot as hell out there in the middle of the night. There's mosquitoes. And in the morning, Jess and Bill woke up and they're like, they were obviously so mad. They're like, where the fuck were you? And I was like, where were you guys? And so I don't even know if I told them this whole story, honestly, wow. then, because it took me like a while to process yeah. Especially because after that, we were just like on to the next country. I think from mm -hmm. Australia, we went to Southeast Asia. So, so like, it wasn't until like, yeah, it wasn't yeah. until like years later, I actually like, thought about this whole story. I was like, that was really sketchy, you know? Mm -hmm. So. 
It's so unfortunate too, because like, you know, you're in a new area trying to explore it, trying to trust other people, like yeah, all those things yeah. that you were sharing. And it's like, it's so sad that these things happen. And, yeah. and and I think it's also a great example of how you never know, like logically when you're telling the story, you might think like, oh, I would never do that. But oh, yeah. you never know how you're going to respond until you're in that situation. Yeah, yeah. And it's all context and it's all about how you're feeling and like, has this sort of thing ever happened to you before? Like probably not. Oh yeah. And you didn't (laughs) know anything about this area that you're in too. And like, sometimes we just go places and we, we're just there to experience them. We're not like looking up whether there's sex trafficking happening. Yeah. You know, I I feel like back then too, I mean like, I feel like as far as like access to like internet and information, considering it was only 2010, I think I had to go to AT&T and have them, deactivate and I think the guy like did me a solid but like not shut it down because mm. I remember before like you had to have it like there was like a jailbroken phone we can yeah. still use it without service cards I think that, they yeah. did that for me so I could use it with Wi-Fi but Wi-Fi wasn't readily available like mm-hmm. everywhere back then you can go to like I remember internet cafes were a thing you right know? yeah so it's not like I could yeah I didn't have a, I didn't have a phone <laughs> I didn't have a Garmin or a Zolio like we were just yeah. out there on a prayer you know just floating around the world so yeah and like we we did research stuff like when we were going but it was mostly about where are we going to eat where are we going to sleep you know like Mm -hmm. what transportation do we need and then we'll just explore from there we literally had one of those tickets where you can as long as you use the flights in a year you can interchange them so we weren't on a strict schedule so our our time in whatever country we are was depending on what we found to do if it was cool, if we like, if we found work, if it was expensive on our funding and stuff, so yeah, it was it was a pretty crazy experience. And so, what shifted for you after? Did you become more cautious around strangers after? No, that? it almost happened to me again. Not to the, what? Not, not to, not, not to <laughs> you not, tell me this. Not to an, not to that extreme sense, but like I said, I was that was we were partying on that trip. We were drinking, so actually. I'll make this one quicker and then we'll end the podcast. <laughs> so we were at, um, once we got to Thailand, we were at, I think it was Ko PP, where they filmed that, the beach, that uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. Leo DiCaprio yeah. movie. In t- so, yeah, in Thailand. Yeah. Is that what you just said? Yeah. One of the islands there. So we, we wanted this hike in the daytime, beautiful hike that dropped down in this private beach where there was like a little bungalow with a couple little like, um, not cabins, but like, not yurts, but just like little rooms. They had like five rooms there. There were super cool dudes, like with dreadlocks. Like, you know, it's like Thai dudes with dreadlocks, like smoking weed. And like, so we were smoking weed with them, which I mean, we weren't. I don't know what it was. I think it was tobacco. <laughs> in Thailand. I, don't know, I don't know what, the, yeah. what the, the laws are about there. I think it's highly legal. Anyways, we found this. I was like, well, this is cool. It's like a little paradise in paradise. Like, mm. they were cool. Like, they made us food, you know. He was telling us about, like, all the places around. Young guys, who probably around our age. Two, I just remember, I have pictures with them. Two of them with these super long dreadlocks. And so, that was, we, that was cool. Then we left. We went back to town. And then we started drinking in town next to where our, um, not hostel. It's like, they call them, like, guest houses. Mm. Basically, it's like a, it's your own room. So, you're not sharing with, a, like, a hostel. Anyways, we were just drinking there. And then we went out and we were at the market and stuff, just walking around, you know, eating, drinking. That's what we did on a lot of the trip. And then here again, I'm like pretty wasted. And I see those guys in town and they were with a group. There's probably like three dudes and like 
four chicks. Two of the chicks were at the place where we're we're at that little beach, and they're like, "Hey, you want to come back? We're gonna go. We're gonna go party at the at the place." I was like, "Oh, you guys are gonna hike there?" Like, "No, we have a boat. We're just gonna go around the island on a boat and get there." I was like, "Oh yeah, cool." So I just like take off. I don't even tell Jess and Bill where I'm going. I'm just like, I just take off, and I get to the dock. And I get into the boat, and then everything clicks. I was like, don't do this. I was like, mm. all right, never mind. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I got up, and I got up, and I started walking towards town. But being – this is why this is why you don't drink – I don't drink that much anymore. <laughs> but like be, being, like, in, again, foreign country, I couldn't – because I followed them to the dock, I didn't know where I was oh. in the city. And our, our ferry off the island was leaving at, like, 6 in the morning. So I was like, I have no clue where I am. And you know how like when you're when you're drunk, really drunk, and like you can be in a familiar place, but everything just seems like a movie, like all like chaotic. It felt like oh, that. Yeah. And I started panicking. I was like, how am I gonna find where I'm supposed to be? I don't everything kind of looks the same, like all the buildings. I was like, how am I gonna recognize where I need to go? I literally was like sitting on the f- floor, like, oh my God. I was like, right, get it together. I was like almost in tears. And then again, on a prayer, by the grace of God, I hear, Roland, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and Jess and Bill <laughs> were just walking on the street. They're like, not again, Yeah, Roland. yeah. They were like, what the fuck? I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I, was like, I didn't I didn't, I didn't, go. I didn't go. Like, what do you mean you didn't go? We couldn't find you for like an hour. And I was like, oh my God. So, young and dumb, for sure. But that's the second time where I almost got lo- <laughs> not, lo- just lost. Like, could have been in a bad situation. Because even wow. though these guys were cool, I didn't know them. Yeah. You know, like we just had a couple drinks and, you know, down yeah. at their beach and they were super cool. But really, who knows? You know, everybody seems cool like that. When we were traveling too, a lot of Americans and Europeans, one guy, he said he was robbed by two other Americans that were working with people there. Like, same thing too. He met him two nights in a row. On the third night, they're like, oh yeah, come up to our hotel and uh, and drink. And he gets up there and, oh no, to his hotel. They were at their hotel first, and then they were drinking. And then the guy's like, "Oh, I have stuff at my hotel." And so they went to his hotel. Then they get they get to his hotel room. And they said like two guys with like knives just came in like right into the room, took all his shit, and left. And by the time we saw him, he was in the lobby crying because they took his passport, they took all his oh. money, they took his credit cards. And he's like, "Yeah, there were two other American dudes." I'm like, and then the the, the person that worked it, they're like, "Yeah, that happens a lot," you know, like. And he's like, yeah, I was partying with them for like a few days. So it's like by that time, like, oh, they're cool. You know, like they're fine. So I was like. But I think the moral of this story, too, is like dangerous things can happen even when you're not camping. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A lot of people are afraid of camping and outdoor stuff. But like, you know, first of all, a lot of people say the most dangerous animal is a human being. Of course. Yeah. I mean, of course, bears. We were talking about bison and like there's some big moose can be really dangerous. Like. But human beings can be really dangerous yeah, too, yeah. and uh, but that can happen anywhere. Yeah, you don't, you 100%. know, you could just be traveling, and and I'm a big believer in you know, there's risks everywhere. Yeah, and you got to be mindful and sh- and check in with your intuition. But yeah. we also know that life is risky. Yeah, yeah, and and so trying you to know. You know, limit those risks again, bringing this back to camping, it's like you. I feel like being comfortable is the first and foremost. Because once you start to go into panic mode, that's mm-hmm. when things can get dangerous really quick. Whether it's a person or whether you get lost out there. Everybody yes. says you have to stay calm. Yes. Staying calm means putting certain procedures in place 
that if stuff goes wrong, you have a plan to turn to. So you're not, your brain's not just firing wherever, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's why I always tell people, if you want to get used to camping outdoors, start in your backyard. If mm-hmm. you're really, if you're that new of a camper, if not, the next step from that is go to a developed campground where there's like a camp host yes. and families, you know, yep. and flush bathroom, hot shower. KOAs are yeah. great for KOAs that. KOAs are great yep. for that, you know, so you're not, you don't feel so out there. Or and go also, glamping Or go too. glamping, yeah. You know, there's a lot of glamping units now yep. just to feel, just to get the feel for sleeping outside, like the, mm. the, the visceral experience of like being outside and yeah. exposed. You know, and then slowly make your way towards first come, first serve, then maybe a little bit dispersed, you know. So and then in every one of those processes, you'll find things that make you feel more comfortable, you know. And also, like, obviously, like having plans just like hikers, tell people where you're going, where you should be back. Write down phone numbers on paper and put it on your person, in your wallet, in your car, your bag. Because like the other camping trip I went on, my phone broke. And like, if you drop it or it goes in water, you lose it. And then you can't call anybody, even if you can walk to your neighbor and borrow their yeah. phone or yeah. go into town and borrow their phone. You need to have those numbers, you know, memorized or I think better written down. But you'll slowly start to develop, you know, that's a whole nother podcast too. Certain yeah. things you can put in place to get you comfortable with camping, mm-hmm. whatever your camping goals are. Because like you said, anything can happen, but. If you start small, start where you're comfortable, start where there are resources and amenities, it makes that transition. If your goal is to solo camp or disperse camp solo, way easier. Yeah. And surround yourself with other people. Like going to classes is so great. If you don't know anyone who camps, that's a great opportunity to just hear other people's tips and and learn from each other following accounts on social media using YouTube podcasts like we have so many resources Yeah. yeah and I still feel like a complete newbie you know and I've been doing this for a few years and I get more confident every trip I take but wow I'm I just feel like I'm beginning my journey oh yeah I still feel like I'm still beginning there's so much like I said most people are so surprised that I just camp in SoCal you know, so like I, know, I haven't even started my journey. To, going, oh, I, I don't. Have, I just need the time off, yeah. <laughs> work. You know, because I still I do this full time yeah. in person job too. Yeah. So it's hard to get those like longer extended trips because I camp so often too, and I take like days off. Like I'll always, you know, every month I'll take a few days off. I just need to save those days yeah. and do a bigger trip but, but you can do so much in just a few days i know yeah when you yeah. invited me down to this trip you were like are you sure because i could only do one night and i was like no it's totally worth it yeah you know it's a few hour drive but you get there in the afternoon and you just soak it in yeah and that's even if it's 24 yeah. hours like you could have a great camping oh, yeah. experience in 24 and i think hours. that too part of that is too like like all of the tiktok community in-person camps like new friends too it's cool to have people that are willing able and think that that's chill you know mm-hmm. most people that don't camp like it's often or like aren't prepared like we are they're like no i need like a month in advance to prep <laughs> i need like a full itinerary you know like i need like to take at least four or five days out there but when you have all your gear and you're good or you're excited to use new gear like the tent yep. one-nighters are like oh and it's cool to have a community that's like that too yeah. now it's just like yeah let's just pick up and go like me and ryan are constantly like where do you want to go next week i don't know we'll figure it out this week you <laughs> yeah. know and then we just meet there you yeah. know we meet somewhere along the way yeah that's really fun too like not over planning but being prepared enough that you can just like grab your gear and, and know what you need and that's an episode to i'm take. gonna do too how kind of counterintuitively being prepared 
and planning for things to go wrong allows for more spontaneity. Yeah, that's something that's that true. that camping has taught me in my personal life too. Yeah, you know, like basically, I I saw it really in like our my vehicle. You know, having recovery gear. If I'm out yeah. there alone, if I have just a set of traction boards, I'm way more likely to take a little bit more. Oh, I've never been on that trail. I want to go down there, and I feel more equipped to get out of a get get out of a situation in which I get stuck if I have gear to be recovered. Yep. You know, yep. so planning and preparedness allows for spontaneity. They're like two conflicting philosophies that really find a beautiful space in camping preparedness outdoors. So, I want to find a book on that, or I'm going to freaking write it. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. And who knew where this conversation would go? We started off talking about poop. I poop to coffee. coffee. And then somehow, and camping, yeah, like, the in weird guy coming directions. into the <laughs> my campsite to my crazy Australian experience of oh almost getting gosh. picked up out there. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's it's a good fun. place to end it. Yeah, this is yeah. so cool. I'm so excited for you to have a show. And Me too. And it's been so, so fun. It's funny because you were saying to me, like, I don't know if I can keep going with this. And I'm like, you have so much content just on your own. You don't have to have guests. <laughs> yeah. You could just, like, share these short or long how-tos. And yeah. I mean, there's so much content to share I know. I, do, I really knew. Maybe I should just put out two a month. Because I'm at one a month right now, and I already have a bank of, like, you know, I might just yeah. do two a month, and then honestly, like if I ever got the opportunity to do this full time, I would do one a week. You yeah. know, like like I said, I can talk forever. So sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, just every camping trip. L- literally, that'd be yeah. So cool. Yeah, and I camp almost every week too. There you go. So. Yeah, Whitney. Well, I'm so glad <laughs> that you came. And so also, too, we didn't mention we were supposed to go to Death Valley for this trip. And so we still have to make that happen. We're still going to make that happen. But there's so many road closures out there. Yeah. um, I think the main road through the park is closed. But I saw some of those photos on that thing you sent me. They're, like, (laughs) washed out. Yes, they are. Not just, like, oh, it's cracked. And, like, there's, like, holes where that one ranger's standing in a hole that's, like, taller than he is. I know. And so... But we definitely make it happen because that is the last in the lower 48 national park that you need to hit. That's amazing. I know. And then, I mean, for me, like the big, the big shift is going to be going um, to Hawaii. That was a part of the reason I got my tent is because I want to camp in Hawaii. Yep. Yeah. There's um, two national parks in Hawaii. (laughs) So I was like, you know, I could go stay in hotels, but I think it'd be, how cool would it be to camp in Hawaii? yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Alaska is going to be a big trip for me sometime, nice. hopefully in the next year or two. So, um, you know, it's building up to all of this and, and getting the gear for those yeah, trips and awesome. becoming yeah. more experienced so I can check off all the national parks. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the, part of the joy of gear is also before you even get the gear with gearheads like us, when you're researching it, oh, yeah. you know, so it's like you live the trip twice in a way because yeah, like you're, true. you're visualizing it, you're experiencing it, walking through your gear and then you go on the trip, you know, yeah. so well, I can't wait to try out the cold brew AeroPress before we yeah, end this camping yeah, let's, trip. Let's so that's going to be our, maybe that'll be on your TikTok. Yeah. Have you done that on the yeah, TikTok yeah, yet? Okay. Yeah. Long time ago though. All yeah. Right. Well, maybe I'll do it again. But I get to experience firsthand and, and for the listeners and the viewers, they're just going to have to go to your TikTok. Yeah. I'll, I'll, re- I'll, I'll probably do it, do it again. <laughs> yeah. But we'll, I'll have you on again for sure. Probably cool. on the next camp trip. On like, Death Valley. They said I might do it, yeah. All right, I'm yeah. going to hold you to it. All right. I've done almost 500 episodes oh of my, my podcast. Yeah, do you want to so. plug, your, plug your podcast too? <laughs> it's linked in my bio 
show as well. Yes. Uh, so you can check out Roland's episode of This Might Get Uncomfortable. And the show is mostly about mental health and kind of stretching yourself beyond your comfort zone, yeah. which camping totally. requires you to do. Totally. Um, talk a lot about inclusion, uh, diversity, equity. Um, accessibility, social justice. Like I'm really passionate about those things and just understanding different people, which we t- oh, yeah. talked about yeah. today. Like understanding different cultures, different too. types yeah. of people from all different walks of life and just, you know, what do they do? How do they live? And how can we be more aware of, of other types of people and yeah. ourselves at the same time? Totally, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so check that out. And uh, until next camping trip or next time, we'll probably hang out at camp for a little bit. Yeah. What's your next here. episode going to be? Do you know yet? So the next one coming out is, so we're doing uh, a little travel series. Cool. So with Kings Lane Collective, we shot up in Julian. So I had them on the podcast the week before we went out. So I also needed a post filming trip yeah. with them. Cause that was like, they had like a nice camera, like titles, like the director. We interviewed some people. Like I used the apple cider. I made cider like old school with a thing. And then we took all the mash from the apples and like went and go fed the goats on the farm and like, yeah, drank cider, went to a local cidery in Julian and uh, mom's pies. And it was like, it's like literally like my Anthony Bourdain travel show dreams. But I also realized like it's a whole different mindset. Like the creative space of creating being a creator on TikTok versus creator as a podcast versus mm-hmm. a creator of like a basically like a TV show kind yeah. of. They're different creative spaces that I'm not used to being in, but I love the process of figuring out creative endeavors and styles. Yeah. So I've been watching a lot of Anthony Bourdain lately. And my biggest thing is like when I learn something new, whether it's music, I always mimic my favorites before I develop my own voice and style. So I'm excited to see that process. I've done that process with multiple avenues of creativity throughout my life. And that's one of my favorite things in life is like learning a process, learning the feel and cadence of something and then develop tweaking it to be your own. So that's going to be the next podcast. I might release this one too, the same day or maybe a week apart. Cool. Yeah. And then do them for the new year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you made it this far, we've been going for almost two hours. Sweet. Stop. Yeah, yeah. No, it has not. Well, remember when I was on your podcast? We literally talked for two <gasps> hours before we even recorded the first time. It has not been. I thought it's been an hour. No, it's been two. <laughs> Stop. And we have, like, our, quote, live audience of Ryan yeah. and Shelby. And I was like, oh, they can wait. They're it's all been bored. two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So if you're still here after two hours, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And if you stayed wow. this far, maybe I'll drop the other podcast. This is a treat for you guys, too. Yeah. One more hour. All right, thanks, wow. Whitney. Yeah. We'll get some cold brew going. Yeah, we're going to need it. Yeah. You think the camera's still going? I hope so. That's why I got that big, uh, that's why I got that terabyte one. Shelby, I honestly thought it's been an hour. 